Oh, here we go. It is the Breeders' Cup Saturday extravaganza. There's actually going to be two parts to this. I'm really, really excited about the shows that we have put together for you. If you didn't catch the Friday Breeders' Cup show, make sure to go check that one out. We go through all the Friday races. On this episode of That's What G Said Podcast, I'm going to go through quickly myself races one through three on Breeders' Cup Saturday at Keeneland, the undercard races. Then I'm going to have a, an interview with Kurt Rossner from Old Smoke Clothing, the, co- the co-founder of Old Smoke Clothing. We're going to talk all about the company, how it came together. And then we get into the Breeders' Cup races one at a time. Philly and Mayor's Sprint with Scott Shapiro. Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint with Bill Downs. Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile with Joe Christofek. Breeders' Cup Philly and Mayor Turf with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. And then Breeders' Cup Sprint with Craig Milkowski. You will get all of that on this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Then on the on the following episode that's going to be coming out right with this one, the reason why I actually had to split it into two, it would have been too much content. <laughs> it would have been too long. I could not get it all onto one episode. So in part two, which you'll get in the, the next episode, Breeders' Cup Mile with Chris Larmy, Breeders' Cup Distaff with Christina Blacker, Breeders' Cup Turf with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali, Breeders' Cup Classic with Emily Gullickson, and then NFL Week 9 with Eric Etoff 21 Sports Game by Game. That's going to be in uh, the second part on, of the uh, the Saturday Breeders' Cup races. So two parts this weekend because we couldn't even fit it all onto one so much to discuss we're going to jump right into it let's get to the undercard but before we do before we get into the undercard we have to talk about one of the longtime sponsors of that's what G said podcast Cindy Carava full service realtor Cindy Carava who can help you out with any of your real estate needs if you need help with selling, purchasing, leasing, she can take care of you. I've known Cindy for 10 years at least. She is one of the most genuine, kindest people you will ever come across. The perfect kind of person you want helping you with uh, something that's a really stressful event, moving, relocating, and selling off some property, or even if you're you're looking for uh, help with a uh, with Things on a smaller scale, right? Maybe you need help finding vendors like a handyman or a painter, or landscapers, gardeners. She can put you in touch with some of those vendors that she personally uses in her own homes and some of the homes that she has up for sale. If you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan, she can connect you with lenders that she works closely with and, and can highly recommend covering all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe, She'll help you find a free market analysis of your home's value. You can contact her at cindycarava.com. Send her an email with one click through there. You can find information about her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow. cindycarava.com, though, that's the easiest way to get in touch with full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Make sure to show her some support. She's been really, really great and been supporting That's What G Said from the very beginning. Get those past performances out for Saturday. Let's go into race number one at Keeneland for the Breeders' Cup. We're looking at the undercard, and 
the the first race is going to have a heavy favorite in Nashville. Nashville would have been one of the top contenders in the Breeders' Cup sprint, making just his third career start. That's how impressive he's been, and honestly, the the way that the Breeders' Cup sprint shapes up. We talk about it with Craig Milkowski later on. Um, he there's not a ton of speed in there. He just towers over this field. He really should crush this group. So if you're playing any kind of early exotics or like an early pick five, I would just be singling the one if you want to try to play against the one. It, for me, the other horse would be the four, Bango, who was a step slow, but he came up and recovered pretty well. He was sitting a close third on the outside. He loomed up without really being asked. It was a good effort from Bango. No real knocks on him. He's just going to you know, be at least a few lengths behind Nashville early on. He's not exactly slow, but from the rail, if Nashville breaks at all, he's going to be really, really tough to run down. We'll see if if this was a good decision for Asmussen because he has Yao Pan, who will be one of the betting favorites in the Breeders' Cup sprint. And I mean, he, he could have had the top two betting choices if Nashville would have been in there. But I think the uh, the idea might have been, hey, yeah, Pond's a little farther along. Let's give Nashville uh, just another gradual step along the way. There's no doubt about it that this guy is talented. Sometimes trying to do a little too much too soon can uh, put a horse in a bad spot. And so Nashville is in a, a very soft spot here. He should be able to uh, to get the job done from the rail at a very short price to kick things off. Just a single in the pick five. But if you play the pick five that way, remember you have to have a couple different, one of two approaches. You either have to say, okay, I'm already making this a pick four. So in, in the other races that I'm going to need to have prices, I'm going to make sure that I'm not using some of the short price horses. Or if you are using the short price horses, you're only singling, maybe using one or two, you don't need to be spreading out if you're going to be using other short price horses. So I'll spread out a little bit in race number two, but I'm going to, I think I'll be using horses that'll all be sort of middle, middle type prices. So I'm going to use the three, absolutely Aiden, who he might be the quickest in here down towards the inside. He did not have a great trip from the rail last time out. I'm just expecting him to break better and for the plan to be hey we got to get him really close to a right on the lead he I think he's even quicker than Edgemont Road here and I like the fact that he's inside he's going to have some other speed to deal with though so he's going to be just one of a, a few that I, I'll be using I love the the race for Midnight Sands on September the 5th came back in the Phoenix and didn't really show a whole lot that was a tougher group that day so I'll, and I'll give him an opportunity um, to take another like nice step forward here making his third start maybe he regressed a little bit off of that first start here for uh the the new connections and the the seven everfast will also be on the tickets i think this is a, a good distance for everfast i i really like what he's done so far this year and he's coming off of a couple I think sort of lackluster efforts he's a little bit better than those and i can really excuse the race in the slop two starts back everfast will be on my early pick five tickets along with the 10 mind control there was a time when mind control would have been really short price in a field like this but he hasn't just really honestly hasn't been quite as good uh, as of late but when you dig deeper and you look his race in the mr prospector he had trouble so maybe his figure's a little low because, you know, he was behind. He, he just didn't get the best trip. You can make a legitimate excuse for the sloppy track in the forego, for the sloppy track in the Carter. Then you're left with a third in the Vanderbilt. So the form isn't that poor, although it was just a, a third of four. He fits. 
he fits really well, and his his ceiling and his upside with some of the races that we know he he's capable of uh, of showing up with. So I'll be using seven, ten, three, four in that order. Three, four, seven, ten in race number two, and the second leg of that pick five there to kick things off. This is the uh, the Lafayette. We move along to race number three before the Breeders' Cup races begin. I'll be using four, five, and six in here. Wicked Whisper has shown a completely new dimension in her last two starts, and she's shown that she can come from way out of it. She can sit mid-pack. We know she has some speed if they want to call upon that, but this is going to be a good spot for her to probably be coming from off the pace because you look up and down, and many have speed in here. Ain't no Elmers is quick from the rail. She's going to have to go, and as fast is just that. She should be sitting pretty close. Artie's Princess also has some speed. Miss T2 is very quick. Fair Maiden is quick, but she's not as quick. I think the trip that they want is what the, the trip that they got last time out, sitting a few lengths off the pace. Marinanth is going to want to go. Bernie is pretty quick. Rising Seas is not exactly slow. So you see what I'm saying? Motivated Seller. There is a ton of speed in this race. It's a six for a long race. I, and I don't know that means it's going to fall apart. I don't want just a bunch of stone cold closers but I do want a horse like Wicked Whisper who has some versatility I will include Miss T2 just because she was so good winning last time out she was really good in that spot she was able to uh, defeat older company 2 and just look so impressive doing it Miss T2 will be on the tickets and then Fair Maiden who I, I think will get a really nice trip also sitting just off the pace so I'll have one of the horses who I think will be in that speed brigade and then I'll use a couple others that could be sitting just right behind that pack with uh, Wicked Whisper and with Fair Maiden 4, 5, and 6 in race number 3 so on the early part of the card there uh, it's just a single in race number 1 if you want to go deeper it would be 1, 4 um, in race number 2 Seven, ten, three, four is how I stack them up there. In race number three is four, five, six. Um, I'll, I'll probably even play a pick five where I single the one in race one, then a three, four, seven, ten with a four, five, six, and then in the Breeders' Cup races, which I'll discuss in a little bit, it'll probably be something like one, three, seven, nine, one, three, seven, ten. 12. You can write the numbers down. We'll tell you a little bit more why about who when we get to those specific Breeders' Cup races. That's you know that's what we call a, a tease, folks. <laughs> tease. Let you know what's coming a little later on. So early uh, early Breeders' Cup races. Best of luck in one through three. Up next, it is an interview with the co-founder of OldSmokeClothing.com, Kurt. Rossner, you've heard me talk about old smoke clothing before here on uh, That's What G Said, and so Kurt is going to talk all about the idea for the company, how they created it, some of the products that they have, how it has moved along, what they would like to look forward to in the future. You get all the details about this really great horse racing t-shirt memorabilia, um, swag shop, everything you need to know about OldSmokeClothing.com in an interview with Kurt coming up. Enjoy. It's a huge week in the world of horse racing with the Breeders' Cup on Friday and on Saturday in a world that's been a little bit crazy in 2020. At least there's there's some normalcy in that the schedule didn't have to get changed. This is when the Breeders' Cup races would normally be run. And to talk to you about, in my opinion, something that's that's really cool and that has a lot to do with horse racing. It is a company that 
is a bunch of horse racing gear, t-shirts, hats, clothing, swag. We're horse racing fans, but there's not a lot of places like this out there. If you're a fan of baseball, basketball, football, other more like mainstream sports, you can go anywhere online, find a whole ton of stuff. But my guest now is the co-founder of OldSmokeClothing.com and Kurt. I'd imagine that might have been just kind of one of the big picture things in your head as, as someone who likes horse racing. You probably looked around and said, you know, there's not a lot of places out there where you could buy something Horse racing related you don't just walk in the mall And there's a horse racing store right there For you to walk into this is This is something that I, I kind of didn't realize Until I started looking at Old Smoke thinking There aren't that many places out there <laughs> That's exactly right you know how you doing Thanks for having me on and uh, That is really the the idea Of the brand and it's something that uh, My business partner and I And, and uh, college buddy You know we went to, to school right in the Saratoga area which is obviously you know, arguably one of the best, uh, racing towns. And, uh, you know, we, we recognized it a long time ago that there was a lack of a brand in the sport and a place for fans to really be able to, to express their fandom. And, uh, that was the, that was really the, the opportunity that we saw and where the brand really started to get created. Talking with Kurt Rossner, the co-founder of oldsmokeclothing.com, a website where you can purchase tons of different horse racing related Swag. What I like about this too is it's it's serious, it's fun, it's goofy. You have all sorts of different um, collaborations with different companies, different websites. I saw a cool DRF one come out recently, but then there's also the opportunity for custom designs. You're having new products out. I mean, every time there's a horse that wins a big race, whether it's Tis the Law, Authentic, Midnight Bisu, any one of them, they came out. Um, just kind of tell us a little bit about, about your process. Is it just a couple of guys who love horse racing and think, Hey, what do we want out there? It, it, it is by, by nature. That was, I mean, we, we pride ourselves on being huge fans, of course. And the start of it was a lack of our own ability to get, to get some high quality horse racing gear that, that we wanted. So when we couldn't find it, we decided my business partner and I, Adrian Zamretta, we decided that we were going to make it ourselves. And so that's, that's part of it. But the business plan itself was we really saw an opportunity with the partnership groups and, you know, there's so many horse races. I think there's over 50,000 a year just in the U S alone. And each one of those races has, has somebody that wins and that is their team, you know, and that's kind of how we looked at it. And we wanted to create an opportunity to represent that. You know, if you're a Yankee fan, you, you probably have, you know, a couple of Yankee t-shirts, a hat or something. And, and you really, you know, you rock that stuff to represent that you're a fan of the Yankees. And, and we believe that each horse owner feels the same way about their horse and that, that is their team. And, and the larger the partnership group, you know, it's, it's, it extends beyond just the horse itself. And then it's the, the partnership also represents a bit of a team as well. So we wanted to create a platform within our business plan to uh, to provide a place for for the owners when they win a big race and know that they can call somebody that are diehard fa- racing fans. We'll do anything custom for them. We'll create everything from the graphics itself right through to doing the fulfillment for them and and take care of uh, of an opportunity that we really saw. And, and yeah, what I love uh, too is it's very similar as you were mentioning. You know, for any. When that works roots for a specific sports team There's so many levels to it you, you get this pride in 
specific players or in this case horses that you've rooted for along the way or specific races that are you know maybe key or important to the area that you live in maybe a, a trainer who's been you know huge along the way so that's also what's cool is that there's so many levels to the, the fandom where you can have so many different ways to represent yourself through memorabilia through different um different old smoke gear you know like you said a, a hat to maybe represent the horse but you got a t-shirt for the the racetrack that you grew up in the area that you grew up. there's another one with a, a funny slogan of the Kentucky Derby so I, I think there's what I've realized too and just looking around your website the last couple months is how much there's just so much out there on your site and so much that we can do to show um our fandom and horse racing that hasn't really been represented yet yeah, it, it's true. It's, it could be the track that you love. It could be the horse. It could be the trainer. And a big part of the business, too, is the aftercare. You know, there's, oh, yeah. there's a lot of pride in the aftercare. And, and we work with some amazing groups that uh, that do a ton for the sport. And you're right. There's, there's a lot of different ways to spin it. And there's a lot, a lot of stuff for us to get creative with. And, and we've been lucky enough to, to really kind of be, you know, reactive to, to people contacting us. And, uh, you know, there, there's an opportunity too for us at some point as we grow here to get more proactive and and go after because we get a lot of requests from from fans that uh, see a big uh, big horse make a win and now they're they're kind of in the spotlight and and we typically don't do anything well we, we never do anything without owner's permission so a lot of what you see is is bait on our site is just because of of those groups that have come to us and asked us to do work for them and and uh, hopefully the word will just keep spreading so we can. We can get to everybody eventually So this year uh, was a year Very different The schedule had changed quite a bit Races were removed all over But a horse who got very popular throughout the year Because he was kind of one of the mainstays early on Was Tiz the Law I saw the, a lot of Tiz the Law stuff uh, popping up Who Give give me a, a couple of over the last year Year and a half What have been some of your best sellers Some of your hot items That, that seem like uh, people were really really interested in Well for Tiz is, is for sure I mean that I think that story, in, in my opinion, and I know we're close to it here in Saratoga, and, and Jack Knowlton's just a great guy, but, you know, the story of, of him really kind of hitting the lotto twice is pretty remarkable. And yeah. I think with the lack of sports over the last few months before, you know, the major sports got rolling again, I think that was one of the best stories in sports. And, um, you know, we were lucky enough to, to – that actually went back to when Tiz won its, uh, his first race at the Champagne champagne steaks and a couple of the partners had contacted us and said you know they wanted us to do a shirt for tiz based on that win alone um and that's how that whole thing started so we were we were able to just kind of uh you know enjoy that ride in some small way um which was really cool and uh hopefully still going this weekend through the breeders cup but um those, those sold really well that was a really big um Horse for the fans, I think uh, Midnight Beast was another one that 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 horse really got in everybody's heart for sure. And um, you know, outside of that, the, it, the, our our Baffert shirt sells a ton. You know, there's a ton of, of uh, Baffert fans, and that design I think really really um, resonates with people. The silhouette, right? Like, yeah, yeah, the it's classic great. look of, of Baffert. So, you know, that we sell a bunch of those. And then I, you know, I, I think we get there's a big gambling side to the sport as well that we we recognized early on obviously but um those there's a lot of uh, the betting shirts that the fans like a lot too and they're a lot of fun too that sounds great too. Yeah. I, I like that it's not you 
are for everyone. If you want to be, if you want to have a, like a, just a more serious Kentucky Derby shirt, or if you want to have the little like just to represent who you are yourself as as well as your fandom, a little bit of your personality where you can show uh, your comedic side. Uh, and and another thing that I've been really impressed with too is not only the difference in you know options for your T-shirts. Difference, pro- difference in product that have been um, been expanded in the last you know six months to a year. I, I was seeing some really cool trucker hats um, on there a few different times. You've got polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip ups. We're not even just talking uh, about t shirts in here. You got really a one stop shop for a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, and that's developing every day. You know, we we only started this thing a little over two years ago, and and the initial idea was you know let's start small with t shirts and see if we have something. And uh, now it's just growing so fast that um, we're, we're trying to get other products launched and, and we get a ton of requests. And, uh, you know, like I said, we do a lot. Custom work is a big part of our is a big part of our business model. And, um, you know, even if fans have we've had plenty of fans reach out to us through Twitter or email and say, hey, I had this idea and I'm having a Kentucky Derby party. Can you do this? And, you know, we're, we're happy to take on all projects, you know, big from little Kentucky Derby parties to the actual Kentucky Derby itself. We became a official licensee of the Derby this past year. Um, so that was really big for us, but we've even rolled it into, uh, you know, again, back to the idea that we're fans ourselves to hardcore horse racing fans. And we tried to create some, some things that we saw lacking. And another one of those is the the membership group that we, we put together. The clubhouse. And it's, yeah. The clubhouse. Yeah. The old smoke clubhouse. And really that was just, our idea of what we would have liked to join. So it's a, it's a quarterly package that goes out. You get a, an exclusive design that we won't, we have never made before. We're not going to make again. So the only way you're getting that shirt is, is if you're uh, in the clubhouse, but then we put together a ton of really fun things for the fans and, and give them a little bit of insider access with all of our partners, you know, so they get, they get their hands on some really cool stuff that they wouldn't normally get. And we're going to roll that into parties at the big events when we start being able to go back to the track and, and it's very interactive. We, we put up together a platform of everybody that's in the clubhouse gets to interact with each other and we do all kinds of fun betting contests and the big races and, and uh, it's a lot of fun. We, we'd love to keep seeing that grow because it allows us to interact with fans too. That is the old smoke clubhouse. You get the, uh, Quarterly packages with the Eclipse, the Derby, the Spa, and the Royal that will be sent to you um, four different times throughout the year. So that's cool, and I, I know I'm going to have to talk with you um, in the near future very soon about setting up some sort of a "That's What G Said" T-shirt so we can get that, those rolling too, and we can uh, we can work on that together. Um, yeah, awesome. I, w- I would definitely love to do that. So what what are anything big picture? Um, or pie in the sky ideas moving forward, or even just continuing on, what would you like to see for Old Smoke in another six months to a year? Uh, another six months to a year, I'd really love to see the clubhouse grow. I, I think that that's a that's a really cool thing that the sport that needs for for you know we all want to go to the Kentucky Derby and go to the real cool parties, and and the reality is that you know most of us can't, and and we want to create kind of a secondary option to that where it's not just this this membership club exclusive it's we want it to be so much fun where you know all of our members we meet at the at the pegasus cup or the derby or the breeders cup every year and then old smoke puts together you know some really cool events and parties where everybody can 
can hang out and you get to experience the, the these really cool weeks or weekends with um you know with some fans and make some friends and I'd love to see that grow and it it also allows us the ability to give those fans and and clubhouse members the ability to be involved in the designs and let us know you know something that we may have missed or you know we let them rank the designs as we launch them and and it's really a nice platform to be truly interactive so I'd love to see that grow and um and the custom work itself you know that's that's what we really love to do and and the more we can get creative it's it's just great so I'd love to see those two things grow and you've been very kind to the listeners of That's What G Said podcast because uh, we've been offering a promo code that will get you free shipping on your order when you use the promo code GINO at oldsmokeclothing.com. So another nice little added bonus when you look around, you're trying to, to put your, uh, your orders together. You don't have to worry about that shipping cost when you use the promo code GINO. So, uh, so Kurt, what, uh, what's your Breeders' Cup going to be looking like on Friday, Saturday? How are you going to be taking it all in this week? Well, unfortunately, we're not going to be there, which is such a bummer yeah, because I was yeah. really looking forward to heading out to Keeneland for that. But um, um, just probably me and my buddies getting together. You know, we have uh, there's some really cool bars that are still open in Saratoga that are having oh, yeah. some events. So I, I see ourselves bouncing around there. Kurt, let the folks know uh, where can we follow along with the Old Smoke Clothing online. And anything else that you uh, that you want to promote in the next thirty seconds to a minute? Take it as much as you can. I love uh, love the company. Love everything I see. It's you guys are a great product, but really like nice nice guy to interact with in all of our interactions too. That's just a, that's always a, a plus for me when I'm looking to do business with someone. I I want to be doing it with someone that I like, and it it's been a pleasure. Um, the interactions that we've had together. I look forward to bringing you back. This was this was like just uh, introduce. Next time maybe we'll we'll have to handicap. Cap a card or, or actually break some stuff down And really get into some uh, some gambling uh, stuff How love, that sound? love that I really appreciate You having me on you know you know Again get free shipping with that with that Code Gino all capital letters You know check out our website Oldsmokeclothing.com if you have Any questions or any interest in us Doing anything custom you can reach Me at info at Oldsmokeclothing.com And it'll be me getting right back to you so uh, again, appreciate having you on. This is a lot of fun. I can't wait to come back on again. Oh, I, I love it. Yeah, let's 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 earmark a couple of weeks or a month, and we'll 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 come down and we'll uh, we'll handicap a card together. Good luck to you and your buddies this weekend. Have a make, have a bunch of, of fun. Have a bunch of beers and pick a bunch of winners. All right, man. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Don't go anywhere, folks. So uh, we'll be back in just a minute with much more on that's what G said. A big thank you to Kurt for uh, taking a few minutes to talk about Old Smoke with us, and we'll definitely have him back to handicap a, a card and talk some racing with us in the coming weeks. In the coming moments, it's Reader's Cup Saturday time. First up, it's going to be Scott Shapiro. We're going to talk about the Reader's Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. Race number four, Scott Shapiro joins us to talk about the fourth race on Saturday's card, the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. Back on that's what G said uh, for I can't even count how many times now it's probably into the 10 15 times as many times as he's been here talking racing with us or football or anything going on in the the sports world and and this weekend and the big focus on Friday and Saturday and horse racing the Breeders Cup he's going to join me to talk the first Breeders Cup race on Saturday so get your past performances out we're looking at Keeneland November the 7th we're in race number four for the Breeders Cup Philly and Mare Sprint it is Scott Shapiro on that's what G said buddy how you doing 
Doing well, Gino. Uh, big weekend, as you said. And, uh, yeah, the fall keeps trucking on halfway through the NFL season. I've uh, been pleased with that, but uh, looking forward to the big two days in Lexington. Okay, so a fascinating race to discuss in that there are some real quality horses in here. We are going to have a very interesting kind of pace set up. And I think we got to start the conversation with Gamine, the Philly who is the morning line favorite in here for Bob Baffert, has... Once and possibly twice this year Been disqualified Because of some sort of a positive test Now I say possibly twice Because it's already happened once back in Oakland And then reports have come out That a one of the tests For the Kentucky Oaks Came up positive for a, a banned substance For Gamine We haven't gotten the split sample result yet I think just the fact that I'm having to explain all of this Tells you there's one of the problems in horse racing That it takes so long to get all this information But um, you gotta kind of mention it And you have to start the conversation With her, whether you're with her Whether you're against her Because she's an extremely polarizing filly this year No doubt, very hard to figure out What you're gonna get with her Because of what you just mentioned But one thing we do know is that she is fast And especially when mm-hmm. she's been on her game uh, I think at 7-5, to five, I think she's going to be a horse that I'm probably willing to let beat me. A lot of that is uh, due to the draw. If she drew outside Serengeti Empress and even Venetian Harbor uh, and in the midst of biz, I think it might have allowed her to settle. Coming out of the mile in 8th Kentucky Oaks, you expect her to be quick early, but maybe she would have been a little bit dulled with that speed, which could have worked out for an outside stalking trip. Now she's going to just... You can't really figure out a way where she's not going to have to work throughout unless somehow Johnny V... Can get her to relax in the pocket, which seems highly unlikely. Major on the Oaks, especially, you know, we don't know what this test was, but if she, if she was, you know, in some way uh, aided by um, her performance was potentially aided, then it was even more disappointing. She got, but, a, she got a clear lead, you know, and, and maybe she just doesn't want to go a mile and an eighth yet. We see that a lot of times with, with young horses. Maybe they'll do it later or next year or whatever, but. I mean, she got the trip. She couldn't have asked for a a different trip or a better trip, and she just didn't get the job done. No, absolutely. She didn't really show much fight either. If she would have fought on a little, it would have been a little more encouraging. And the other thing is, uh, Gino, I don't know if she's gone as fast. Well, I don't think she hasn't gone, but is she capable of going as fast as this pace is likely to be? We know Serengeti Empress isn't going to mess around. And then you have horses like in the midst of Biz and, and Venetian Harbor, who potentially are not as fast early on as Serengeti Empress and even Gamine, but they're drawn in between the, those two, and they may be hustled and at least be involved early on. So the, I think, and I mean, the connections of Venetian Harbor have been very outspoken about yes, how the last time they faced, uh, you know, in the test, they wanted Venetian Harbor to be a little more aggressive and go after her and not kind of, you know, like sit second a half length off and let Gamine get the lead. So I'd imagine. You know, she didn't go as fast last time out, and and I think partially because it was a weird race because four graces like didn't break that day or just yeah. didn't go, just just chose not to go to the lead, whatever it was. And so Venetian Harbor didn't have to really go much faster than than she did, and she just held on. But it was her first start in a couple months. I don't know if she can win, but she can sure have a big impact on this race. 
Yeah, no doubt. And I, while they didn't go that fast that day at Keeneland in the Raven run, there could you could argue looking over the whole card and the way the, the race was played out, that there was a little bit of an outside closer bias like there can sometimes be at Keeneland. So don't take the, uh, you know, the mech victory and hold it against her too much. You know, whether she you, you think she's a class below the top one, that that's a fine, you know, that's for you to figure out. But just don't judge her too much. You also mentioned it was the first late uh, race in over two months. Um, so... We got to talk about Serengeti Empress now. I got to say, you know, early and like last year, and then even earlier in this year, after the the race at Sam Houston, I watched a lot of Sam Houston and played a lot of Sam Houston this year. I was super disappointed. I thought that she was like lone speed in that race. It, she just looked like she was better than that field. And I got off her. And then she crushes in the Anzeri. I, I sort of thought of her as more of a horse. Okay, if she gets the right kind of field. The last two races she's had, I gotta say, she's really impressed me. You know, she's fought on, and in particular in her last race, where the way she was going quick, and then you could just see Bell's the one. Okay, nobody else is moving. CC came after her. She's done. Bellafina was done. Like nobody's moving. It's only Bell's the one coming. It looked like Bell's the one was gonna go blow by, and Serengeti Empress really dug in and fought back. If you watch the gallop out, she's actually ahead on the gallop out. I I've gained a lot of respect for her um, this year, and in particular in her last couple starts. I just like you said with Gamine. I, I'm very concerned at her trip with Kameen, with Venetian Harbor. You mentioned, uh, you know, uh, the other one in the midst of Biz, who's not exactly slow there. I think those are all horses who want to be right there. I, she might be able to sit or press a little bit more than some of the others. I could, I could probably trust her with that trip more than I trust Kameen, but I, I, I have some mixed emotions on her in this spot. Yes, it, it, from a trip perspective, I don't see them really sitting. They've tried to try that yeah. a couple of times, and it hasn't worked. But she's been she showed a tenacity and a gameness that we didn't. I really trust her see more to fight her. you. Oh, Sit yeah. was probably the wrong word. You know, like fight. She'll battle yeah. you and can win the battle, and will still try. I, if any, I, I don't trust the other speeds to get in a battle and be able to win it. No, I, I definitely agree with you on that. I think she came out of the draw the best. Given the outside draw, which is always advantageous unless there's some sort of inside speed bias. And also she has that ability to fight on that. I don't, you know, we haven't seen it from Gamine. We haven't really had a chance to see it at seven furlongs. She's just dominated. Venetian Harbor, you could argue probably we haven't seen it. So of the speed, she came out of it the best. And she's the one that, you know, that she might be listed as a three to one second choice. I respect Gamine, but I think Serengeti Emperor should have been the favorite probably. Yeah, I, I agree on that. Um, and, and one horse that the way like coming into this race, she had trouble in her last start. I loved the turn back. I was loving the type of trip she was going to get, but I just don't like the rail and that speech. Um, I, I'm will still probably be using her in some spots because I think she's capable with one of her better efforts. If she were drawn more just towards the outside to the middle of the field of the outside, I'd feel a lot more confident in her. I'm worried about that shuffle from the rail if three or four of the speeds cross over and she's inside and 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 then she's just kind of stuck and at the mercy of of you know everybody else. But I sort of like the trip she was going to get. Who are some of the we're talking about how it's it's going to be you know pretty quick up front? Who are some of the horses you are looking to capitalize on that? Well, I like speech the most, um, and I'm not going to shy away from the rail. I love the cutback. Now, here's why the rail isn't as concerning as it could be. You've got I think you've got clear horses that are going to send. 
You know, you've got Gamine in the midst of Biz, Venetian Harbor, and Serengeti Empress. They're going to make up the first tier. Maybe there's a second tier of the uh, of the of in the midst of Biz or Venetian Harbor or somehow. You know, they don't all get away in the same way. But outside of that, after speech and meet and, and come dancing, there's three dead closers in yeah. here, right? And the, I mean, so, you mentioned the two that I think I'm looking to too. You know, because what and I, you probably. Talked to me a little, a little bit off the ledge, and not in not being as worried on speech. And that there, you're right. I think there is going to be some separation. This might not be a situation where like, speech isn't as quick as those other three or four no. Phillies. So she's probably going to be two or three lengths behind them, not right up on their heels where she would get shuffled. Yes, and you mentioned the trip, the trouble in the oak. She was squeezed out of the gate. She was caught three wide in the first turn. She wasn't good enough to be able to overcome that. Still no. fought on gallantly, but I like to turn back for this horse. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, it could go either way when you get those rail draws. Sometimes you, you get all worried and then they sit the pocket, you know, or sit the, yeah. sit the, and then it opens up or they're able. I mean, and, and look, there's a good chance that some of these speed horses, whether they're the long shots or the favorites, are going to slowly back out of it one by one if they go fast. So it really could lead to a perfect trip from speech. Would I rather have the outside draw? Sure. But, you know, I, I think at the price, I'm willing to gamble. And then I think there's a couple of horses in here. I mean, Bell's the one that has proven capable of winning races like this. Mm-hmm. Whether she's never put two races together like she has, um, you know, she, she, she put somewhat of a clunker in the Madison over this course. I mean, not a clunker, but compared to her other two efforts. Can she, you know, she's been freshened up and she loves this course. If they go at it early... She sh- she should be rolling, and then I can even make the case for Sconson, who sure just for underneath. I don't think she's good enough to win, but you know they're going to go all the way to the take this horse all the way to the back. She's got a good effort in the Beaumont to four graces, who you know ran them off their feet and was at her best that day. But this is a this is an improving daughter of include that is just going to come running late. And if they go at it, like I think they oil and it sounds like you do as well. There's no reason that she can't pick up the pieces at a big price. Yeah. There's three, you, you kind of mentioned in, the, in this tier of deep closers, there are three that I think are very honest. And, and you, you mentioned, I, I think bells, the one in Sconson are probably a little bit better than Sally's Curlin. I really respect Sally's Curlin. You, you know what you're going to get from her. I wouldn't mind if somebody wanted to play her in the third or fourth spots of the, mm-hmm. of the exotics, especially the way that the, we, we see this race unfolding. I just kind of feel like, Bell's the one's just like a little bit better version of her. You know, we saw it last time out, and Bell's the one can maybe sit a couple lengths closer than Sally's curl in. Sconson is is up and coming, and and she was super impressive last time out. the The horse who I'm going to use along with uh, along with Speech and probably like probably Serengeti as my top horses in here would be come dancing and I was I, gonna I, ask you I've never used her Scott I, like <laughs> I've never I've never used her in fact I've probably played against her a ton of times and really anytime when she's come out of New York and I felt like she's a little bit over bet I would have never played her last year in the Breeders Cup you know for example um I it just from the pure trip standpoint yeah. I don't know if she's good enough to beat like to go by you know a couple horses that Phillies that are better than her but I do think this mare should be sort of in that area with speech that we were talking mm-hmm. about. You know, she's she just beat a group she was much better than last time out. And a lot of her big wins have been in that case where she's just way better than a group in New York and she crushed them. But if you're looking at at just speed figures and numbers, she is capable with one of those big efforts of jumping up 
and winning this race. And if she is at eight to one with the trip that we're envisioning, this will be probably one of the few times I will throw her in, and and you know we'll see because it just seems like I I can't other than Serengeti. I, I can't get too high on the other speed horses. I feel like they're going to be getting softened up. You mentioned the Stone Cold Closers, who I, I'm okay with using them, but I'm looking f- for more of those in between horses. To me, that those are the two that, t- to me, are speech and come dancing in here. Yeah, you mentioned the the problematic part is that she just has never run her races outside of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got buried uh, in the Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint last year, Santa Anita. She ran poorly, albeit at a mile and a 16th in the Apple Blossom. But she is cycling back in the form for sure and ran a pretty good race. They went fast last time, but she did run down the lone speed in Ladies Island. You know, I type of horse was dependent. Truly. 8 to 10 to 1 mix to me is okay I'm willing to exclude I'm willing to excuse some of the other things because the price is built in yep exactly because she does have races to go back to she is a win machine she's one half her starts 9 of 18 she does like the 7 furlong distance so that's a positive some of these horses may get tired at 7 you know yeah. I mean most probably most of them look like they have 7 in them in the, this year but some in the midst of biz probably the lone exception but um, who's going to be a bomb anyway But uh, yeah I can see why on paper I just have that concern whether she can Translate her game from New York To Kentucky Yep, And we've talked of, of a little bit about Venetian Harbor But you know um, we'll just mention her Because then we're basically hitting the whole field here She's she's nice like She's a nice filly and she's done Really little wrong throughout her entire Career and this is probably her best game She just is going to have to deal with a couple Who are you know, Serengeti, who's just a little more seasoned Gamin, who Again, we don't know what, what's going on with Gamin in some of these races, but Gamin who beat her On the, on the square when they Raced, but with her Speed, she's She's going to be involved, I'd imagine I, I can't imagine she's too far out of it I think she could, I could see them Sending her more than taking Her back, just from everything I've heard about You know, the connections and how they want her to run you know, in this race. So I think at the very least, we're going to see three horses up there who don't want to be taken back. Yeah, I think if she drew outside Serengeti Empress, I would have liked her chances to spring the upset a little more. Being in between the speed is is troublesome. I know they're going to be somewhat aggressive at the very least, based on what we saw on social media and what you mentioned earlier. She has run well in both star to Keelan. I do think seven furlongs is probably your perfect distance. So you could do worse. It's just that in between the other speeds mm-hmm. that concerns me most. So uh, some overall thoughts on this one, Scott. It, it sounds like you and I are both pretty high on on speech and. And speech was sort of like one and one a for me with come dancing, um, and I'm I'm less concerned about the rail now after talking it out with you. Yeah, I'm, I mean I'm hopeful. You never know. I mean you could easily get caught in a tricky spot sure. there, but it just seems like with a, with some dead closers and with some real fast horses that she could find a perfect spot without skipping a beat. I like speech. I give Bell's the one a big look. And uh, I think you might be able to sneak a horse like Sconson into the back end of the Super or Try if you if you so please. So good betting race. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's the first Breeders' Cup race on Saturday. Race number four, the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. Scott Shapiro, I'd imagine uh, this week we can find um, a, a lot of your written word, a lot of uh, you on videos, a lot of you on podcast or radio shows. You're all over ESPN radios uh, here and there. You're on. Uh, 
uh, local uh, Southern California show still sometimes in the morning giving out plays, your own podcast, who do you like podcast, twin spire stuff, write-ups for football, for golf. I mean, you are uh, all over the place, my man. Uh, let the folks know what some of the things that you've got coming up this week. Yeah, the best thing to do is to follow me on Twitter at ScottChap34. We'll be doing some videos, as you mentioned, for Twin Spires. We'll be out at Churchill Downs on Thursday. We'll definitely be tweeting a lot out at Keeneland, writing, doing a, a couple writing things. Lots going on. I will be on uh, Thoroughbred Los Angeles, of course, as always, like you mentioned, in Southern California with Jay Pridman on Saturday. But uh, really looking forward to it and looking forward to listening to the rest of the previews on the uh what did G say podcast Scott Schapp uh, always uh, Always a great job man you do such a Such good work and uh, love the conversation Buddy you have a great weekend I'll be going back and forth With you thanks Gino you have a good one As well good luck bud okay folks Don't go anywhere we'll uh, wrap up race Number four and we'll move along to race Number five second breeders cup race on Saturday Big thanks to Scott for Taking a few minutes to talk some breeders cup Philly And mayor sprint with us So yeah I'm against Gamine and I'll I'll let her beat me in this spot. I I just think she's gonna on the top end. I think she's gonna have to work too hard, or she's gonna have to show something a different dimension. Can she sit off and and relax? And if she does it, and she proves that she can do it against really nice horses at the top level, then I'll let her beat me at a short price. The three come dancing, and the one speech are in that top tier for me. I'll be using them in all exotics along with. The number seven Serengeti Empress. It's one three seven for me as the top tier. I'll use them everywhere. Bell's the one I'll use on a lot of tickets also. So three um three one seven nine. How I have them stacked and and then you know depending on what you want to do with Gamine, I will definitely use horse like Sally's Curlin underneath. I could do the same with Sconson underneath, but in like third and fourth spots. And those would be on tickets where I would have. You know, speech and come dancing in the top spots. Uh, so, pick fours, pick fives. All your, you know, if you're, and, and as far as a win wager is concerned, I, I probably won't make one in this race because I'll be looking at both come dancing and speech, and I'll try to build a lot of exotics around them. If one of the two of them floated up a little bit, then I would probably bet them. If, if either one floats up to ten to one or over, but those are the the two, and I will use Serengeti Empress because she's so darn good. So those are my a. Horses here in race number four at Keeneland Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. Uh, before we move on to talk about the turf sprint, we have to talk a little bit about Stable Duel and what's coming up with Stable Duel this weekend. So, Stable Duel is a daily horse racing contest app where you download the Stable Duel app and they have different different options for you each day for contests you can get involved in for as little as five dollars, ten dollars. 20 sometimes 25 50 sometimes they have the big hundred dollar contest they are different racetrack options for you to to take a look at and what you're going to be doing is you're going to be building a lineup based on a salary cap so you have to pick a total of 10 horses to create your lineup and what it does is it makes you it forces you to not be able to pick the favorite in every single race you're going to have to mix and match some races you're going to pick a horse that's a mid price then maybe you're going to pick a 10 15 to 1 shot on the morning line and then that'll give you the opportunity to pick a favorite or two uh, along the way give it a, a look if you ever have any questions let me know stable duel download the app there are different free roll contests. They had one at Del Mar last weekend. So if you, you know, you can maybe wait around for one of those or, you know, just get involved in one of the, the, the cheaper contests for, uh, for less money. See if you like it. I promise you, 
you will enjoy it. Everyone that I've spoke to that has heard about this, uh, that have, we've, we've turned them on to to Stable Duel, they play it daily now. And this weekend, here's what the schedule looks like. So Thursday, three different options for you. They have games at Woodbine, $25 entry fee for the Woodbine games. Golden Gate, $10 entry fee for uh, the Golden Gate game. And then Evangeline. $5 triple up. So for your $5 entry fee, if you finish in the top 40%, you will just make triple the entry fee. So you'll get 15 bucks back on Friday contest for you at Del Mar. It's a $25 entry that pays out to the top 10 finishers. There's a Penn National contest on Friday for a $10 entry fee. Then on Saturday, three more options for you. Del Mar, a $25 contest that pays out to the top 10 at Woodbine, there's a $10 contest, and there's also a bonus. So make sure to follow along on Stable Duel on social media so you can keep an eye on this bonus. If you make a wager at Woodbine and play in the Stable Duel Woodbine contest, so make a wager at Woodbine and then play in the entry fee of the $10 entry fee Woodbine contest, you could be eligible for a $300 bonus. So follow on social media for more details, and you can uh, you can find out exactly how to uh, to qualify for that. At Evangeline, there's a ten dollar entry, and then on Sunday, at Del Mar, a ten dollar triple up. So you can try to turn your ten into thirty there. Big games all weekend long. Stable Duel. Download that Stable Duel app. If you have any questions on how to build your lineup, what exactly you're doing, any specifics at all, let me know. I've been playing uh, from uh, really from day one. Big fan there, and you'll see me in plenty of the contests. That's what G said. Let's keep this Breeders' Cup train rolling. We move along to race number five on the Saturday card at Keeneland. It is the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Track announcer from Indiana Grand, Bill Downs, joins me to discuss the fifth race here on That's What G Said. We are on to Saturday's fifth race, the second Breeders' Cup race on Saturday. And this one is the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Get those past performances out. We're looking Keeneland, November the 7th. We're talking race number five, Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint, five and a half furlongs. Joining me on That's What G Said for the first time, but it's definitely been a long time coming, track announcer over at Indiana Grand, Bill Downs. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing great, Gino. How are you? Oh, awesome, man. Thanks for joining me. Really appreciate it. I've been meaning to have you on uh, to talk racing sometime, and uh, Breeders' Cup is a perfect opportunity to do so. And uh, when I, I sent you a message the other day and we discussed what race we were going to talk about, your uh, immediate response was, turf sprint, chaos, great. You know, and then uh, that's, you know, sort of what we, we get here and what you'd imagine in, in the turf sprint because so many of these horses are just, you know, subject to the trip that they're going to get in a five and a half furlong race with a big field like this. So um, kind of where do you start? Who are some of the horses you begin with the, in this race? Well, um, you know, the, the morning line favorite got stormy um, of the three I guess favorites in the race, Scott Stormy and Primus and Leinster. Probably Scott Stormy is the one I like the most of those three. Um, you know, Cassie kind of reinvented Scott Stormy, uh, yeah. shortening her up in that uh, Kentucky Downs uh, stakes race back on September the 12th. And she ran absolutely enormous in that race. That was that was just a breakout performance. And then in that race at uh, Keeneland uh, on October the 9th, Kind of got a lot farther back than I thought that she would. And she still came flying late uh, to, to uh, grab victory from uh, from defeat. And so it just seems like that she is 
she is a, a top-notch sprinter, and they didn't know it at the time. You know, she it, does, it rejuvenated she her, too. right? It's like she was sort of she wasn't the same God Stormy as she was last year, early this year. Her, she just really wasn't running the same type of races, going longer. And then, r- great job by the connections to shorten her up because it just. It really rejuvenated her It gives her this extra punch and kick late That we just weren't seeing in her longer races Where she kind of would just uh, grind around And still run, you know, fine and, and, you know, be competitive But she just wasn't the same And this is, it's, you know, you got to applaud Connections too Because you get a you get a horse like her Who was so good last year At the top, top levels And, and you, I mean, it, it's hard to tweak something like they did But they made a great decision I'm with you, I think to me, she's she's not a, a a horse or one of the short prices in here that I'm trying to beat. Um, and in a race like this, what's nice is full field, a lot of speed. She doesn't have to be as far back as she was last time out. I think you're right. She she kind of got a little bit farther back than she needs to be. She can I think she can sit more towards the middle to the back. I don't know if she has to be dead last in here. Um, who are some of the others that you look to? Well, um, the, the the horses I like a, a whole lot at, at a bit a bit of a price. Now, I I don't I'm I'm unhappy with the the post of the one I'm going to mention, and that's Big Rainier for uh, Victor Garcia, yeah. who is the the SoCal Speed. And you know this race is not loaded with like need the lead type of You're horses. Right. So a lot of pressure. You know, yeah, and and Big Rainier is I think is going to be on the front end if he breaks now. Two starts back uh, in that race on June 21st, he didn't break well at all. And he still got to the front end and still won rather easily. And then last time out, he did break. He had the outside post in the NED. He cleared very easily in that race. And, you know, that's the race that I'm going, man, if I can get, if I can break from the rail, and that's a big if. That's that's the whole key with Big Rainier. So it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if Big Rainier won the race. It wouldn't surprise me if he finished 12th in the race. Because if he doesn't get to the lead, he's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like an all or nothing type of horse for me against this top notch field. And if you're going to like Big Rainier, you know, Wildman Jack had the inside. And that's the 11 horse in the race for Doug O'Neill and finished second in the race. And he, he got off to just an average start. And then he was stuck behind horses on the turn. He had to go wide turning for home. But, you know, a race that I thought I, I have high regards for because I, I, I like Big Rainier. Wildman Jack was traveling really nice late. He had, re- I, I just put down good late energy. Yeah. And and sometimes visually, visually is 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 one of my handicapping factors. Mm-hmm. I like to take a look at races and see how they play out. And 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 if it's a good race and I see something, then then that's even better. Uh, so Wildman Jack, I think, is a, a really interesting long shot um, at fifteen to one in the morning line. And Big Rainier is another one I got to use also at twelve to one. And those are probably like the that that race kind of got me, and I'm uh, I, I'm going to be using definitely both of those horses uh, and any and all uh, exotic tickets. Yeah, I agree with you, Big Runier. I mean, but it, it's really hard to knock either of them. And Big Runier, maybe someone sometimes it's sort of like a blessing in disguise. Uh, maybe because you're at the in the rail and you're just saying, hey, we we weren't going to get cute anyways. Let's just go, and you just get out front. Um, I think Big Rainier will be on a lot of my exotic tickets too uh, Wildman Jack Exactly like you mentioned The trip deceiving sort of had to shuffle uh, Had to shift out uh, and around And was chasing lone speed You know if, if Big Rainier doesn't get away Then you can get opportunity for Wildman Jack to close And and it's a great race like this because you can What you've done with those three And we can go through you know um 
Leinster who is going to be one of the top contenders We can go you know through um, Bombard who I like a little bit I I prefer Bombard even to like Impress and Leinster I think Bombard's sort of interesting um, Cutting back a little bit um, And maybe sitting off the pace And I don't mind the outside draw with that one as much Um, So for you the It's got Stormy It's Big Rainier It's Wildman Jack That's where most of your exotics are going to be built around Yes Yes, I, I don't mind. I don't mind Imprimis. I don't mind Leinster. A Leinster, of course, is the horse for course, three for four at Keeneland. And, you know, he, he did press a pretty good pace. And maybe he does this sort of the same thing in, in, uh, in the race on on Saturday. He's not that far off the pace. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, so he's kind of like the second of the of the favorites that I, I, I can get behind. Imprimis is going to have to show it to me. I don't have anything against against him. Um, but you know, he gets shuffled like he did in, in, in that Kentucky Downs race, and yeah, he won the race. It's just against this type of field, it's going to be hard to overcome huge adversity uh, uh, in this spot. Yeah, he and, and there's a, a few that are like him that fit the bill in that you know, with their top effort, they win the race, it puts them right there. But I, I prefer others more uh, than uh, in premise, uh, and at a little bit better prices. In uh, in this one, so yeah, we're not too far off uh, in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint, which is just a, a another great great wagering race because you're just not going to have anyone that's too short short of a, a price in this spot. N- no matter who you like, you should get you know I think at least three to one. Yeah, oh, absolutely, I I think so. And so, you know, I'm just you know a couple others in the race that uh, are interesting. I, I I'm really intrigued to see what what Alexandra runs uh, in this race. It's been uh, off since late June. Beat the boys in the Japer, uh, but you know, she won that race. Uh, she beat Kanthaka, who I always thought is is a really good horse, um, going seven furlongs as opposed to six furlongs. And Alexandra uh, defeated uh, Kanthaka in that race. Uh, in the Japer in, in late June, and uh, you know had does have a win at Keeneland as well. So I guess that's another minor, uh, a minor uh, good thing about about this uh, mare. But the, the long layoff, you know, she runs runs well fresh. But you know, good horses tend to do with good trainers do that all the time. So that's I don't think that is that as huge of a factor. You know, the the Euro horse glass slippers. I love including Euro horses all the time in my my tickets in the Breeders' Cup, but I it didn't see anything that just stood off the page with me. I agree. Uh, yeah, with with this filly, you know, see those last two races were on you know straight courses, and yeah, you know, she had a slight hop of the start in the race at the Cura, the race at Longchamp, um, you know, was right off the speed, and 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 she got up for the win, but I don't know, it just yeah, it, I worry that they can't keep up with this kind of speed. You know, it's yeah, just like a exactly. different type so of think... speed. She and she, if she was three or four lengths back, that's probably not where she's going to be best. She's not going to close as well, so she might be kind of caught in between where she's sort of trying to chase to keep up. Yeah, and then uh, other horses in here. Um, you know, wet your whistle. Um, you know that race, that that turf sprint uh, on October the fourth. That was a race where the three to one, uh, one of the three to one horses lost a jockey at the start, so it was mm-hmm. kind of a strange race. Um, to begin with, and when you consider one of the main contenders didn't even get to really run the race, um, I don't know about what your whistle. Extravagant kid on the outside, the 14. I bet him the last couple times, more so in that uh, Churchill race. Uh, uh, I thought he was the winner, and then Diamond Oops came up the inside to get him. Uh, I just worry about the trip with that guy yep. and uh, probably looking at others besides him. So yeah. that's a, a few of the other comments that I thought about. 
uh, with with some of the other horses in this uh, Breeders' Cup uh, turf sprint. Yeah, I think we have a, a pretty similar look at the uh, at this race. A couple of the, the same contenders we're going to be using on a, a lot of our tickets, and uh, it'll it'll really I think. A key to this race, no matter on how you are betting it, is how you are seeing big runner from the inside and the pace. You know, if because if he's like you said, if he's able to clear, this is a, a quality horse. And and even in the races, if if he wasn't drawn to the rail and he was able to sit just off, I think he had a shot too. He just probably won't be able to get that kind of the trip from the rail. If he doesn't break, he's going to get shuffled and it, and it won't be great. But if he does break, he ha- he's got a shot. And and I, I think. You know, I'm glad you mentioned him because he's definitely one that I I would want to let people know to include in some of the tickets. If he opens up a length or two, you're going to get a little a little nervous if you don't have him. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when he added blinkers three starts ago, it seems like he he improved his performances as well. And that's another thing that uh, that I noticed from you know he's he's a lightly raced five year old, but he, he turned things around in 2020 when once they put the blinkers on, he turned into a different type of horse. Bill Downs, track announcer over at Indiana Grand. So, Bill, what's uh, what's your schedule like uh, now, rest of the rest of the year, and moving forward? And then let the folks know where can we find you and follow along on social media. Well, uh, social media and Twitter, Bill Downs one. I always caution people because uh, I'm not just a horse racing Twitter account. I kind of I kind of follow all sports and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I kind of take it mostly sports uh, ninety. 95% of the time. So don't a lot think of football, you're gonna get any sort of... fantasy stuff, and DFS. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. We love that here on That's What G Said. So you fit, you fit right along. It was a, it was, it was a, a perfect marriage here. And uh, and then what's uh, what's your schedule like coming up? Well, I mean, Indiana Grand uh, ends uh, November 19th and uh, the end of a 96-day uh, meet. Next year will be 120 days, uh, hopefully with uh, no uh, complications from the virus or anything like that. Um, you know, just kind of, uh, chilling, I guess a little bit, uh, um, not really don't have too much planned. Uh, I'm sure I'll be, uh, looking at horses. You know, I like to play in those handicapping contests as well. Uh, th- this time of year, uh, once my season's over, I tend to look at that a little bit more as well. Bill, maybe, uh, in a, a few weeks, uh, I'll bring you back. If you're, if you're free, we can either talk like a, a, a DFS slate or a Sunday football slate in the NFL and, uh, and, and, and talk a little football. Sounds good, Gino. Awesome, Bill Downs. Thank you so much helping us out with the the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back here with much more on That's What G Said. Thank you to Bill for hanging out with us here and talking some Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. So just a difficult wide-open race. I'll lean to Bombard, who I I think will really enjoy the slight turn back. And I, I don't expect him to be on the lead in here. I think he's going to be a little bit better if he can be stalking and just off he's got seven races from five to six and a half furlongs three wins two seconds and two thirds this is this is his best game um bombard i'm gonna give bombard a, a big big look in here we'll make sure the the seven i'll be using in a lot of spots too leinster the 12 uh, god stormy is, is very very logical i mean imprimis is one i think of the I prefer the other the others I just mentioned more than Impermiss, but I wouldn't really talk you off. I'll be using Big Runner a lot, uh, Runner a lot, as uh, Bill had mentioned. B- you know, big speed from the inside. Others, uh, you know, to take a look at maybe a, a front run the Fed, maybe uh, an Alexandra. I just I, I I'm pretty pretty solid with combinations of. You know, one, three, seven, ten, twelve, and in particular, 
7, 10, 12 probably uh, will be on, on most of my tickets there in race number five at Keeneland. Well, we talked a little bit about fantasy sports with Bill. You need to check out the Thrive Fantasy app right now. Go download it, Thrive Fantasy. And then immediately use that promo code G-I-N-O When you deposit You'll get an instant bonus Of up to 50 bucks as soon as you deposit 50 So anything over 20 20 to 50 You'll get an instant bonus credit Right back in your account Boom, I mean might as well 50 Put 50 in, you'll get 50 Then you'll have $100 in there to play in different contests This is a daily fantasy prop betting app They have Big contests like a lot of the other daily fantasy sites you've probably played in. They also have head-to-head contests, free rolls, contests that start for as little as a dollar, all the way up to a thousand. You can play in NFL, NBA, MLB, golf, League of Legends, esports. The big contests that they have right now are the NFL contests. So, like Week Nine NFL coming up is a big one, but they have specific contests on Thursday for the Thursday game. And then for Sunday, a couple different options for you. They have specific contests for the Monday game. Here's a big one this week. $25 entry fee to get in. $12,500 in prizes. And it's capped at 550 total entries. You're not going to be playing against hundreds of thousands, even thousands or millions of other entries. You're going to be playing against 500 other entries. It's a winnable contest, an opportunity for you to win Two thousand seven hundred and fifty bucks for first prize. It pays out the top one hundred and thirty positions. And what you're going to be doing here is you're going to be picking ten out of twenty options for props, and you're going to be picking over or under with those props. Let's give you an example. So here's a couple on the the big contest for this weekend: Deshaun Watson total passing yards two hundred eighty four and a half. If you select over, you'll get ninety four points. If you select under, you'll get one hundred and five points. If you are correct, Christian McCaffrey, who's coming back, 75 and a half total rushing yards over or under there. Over would get you 110 points, under would get you 90. That's how you're going to build your lineup. You're going to look through the 20 options that they have. Another one, DeAndre Hopkins, 84 and a half total receiving yards over or under. Uh, the under would get you 115. The over would get you 85. So you're going to pick what you want to do, obviously, is you want to select a lot of the props that are going to give you the opportunity f- to get your max points back. So you, if you are into prop betting, if you make a lot of prop wagers, you will really enjoy Thrive Fantasy. Go download it right now. Use the promo code GINO. If you put in 20 bucks, you'll get an instant $20 bonus. If you put in 50, you'll get an instant $50 bonus. Might as well put that 50 in. Anything over 20, anything from 20 and above to 50. Thrive Fantasy. Yeah, I'm playing in these contests all the time. I've checked it out. I have won contests. I've won money. I've made withdrawals. I've made deposits. Everything is smooth. That's one thing I always like to vet when I'm playing in a lot of these different sites. It is all good to go. Thrive Fantasy promo code G-I-N-O will get you that instant bonus credit. Anything from 20 to 50. Okay, we uh, will move along now. Uh, Up next, it is race number six on Saturday on the Breeders' Cup card, and we are going to Talk Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile with Joe Christofek. He is making his That's What G Said debut. Joe Christofek goes horse by horse in race number six, the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile on Saturday. We'll continue rolling along through that Saturday Breeders' Cup card. We're up to race number six now. 
It's the big ass fan Breeders Cup mile, and I'm very, very excited to have this next gentleman join me. I've become a big fan of his over the last years. You've seen him all over, in particular uh, doing a lot of stuff for Twin Spires and out and around at Mount Churchill Downs. And he's a very sharp handicapper, very nice guy, a very fan friend to always uh, answer questions and help people out. Happy to have Joe Christofek join. That's what she said for the first time. Joe, how you doing, buddy? Uh, Gino, long time coming. Uh, great to be on. You know, it's been a rough 2020 for almost everybody. But uh, for you, my friend, you know, you brought Milo into the world. You got a couple <laughs> of sports championships. I it's- mean... It's going I'm to knocking be on wood. Year for you for, a, it, for it, a lot of different reasons. You're right, and it, it, it's one that I'll talk with him about for uh, forever, for years to come. And he will be a a year old next week. He's literally been taking his first steps over the last week or so, um, spouting uh, spouting out words here and there. So crazy year, Lakers, Dodgers, unbelievable too for someone who's uh you know it's been. Really the first Dodger championship I've ever experienced. I'm 33, so I was a year and a half when they won last time. And a lot of heartbreak. I know you're a big baseball fan. You know about heartbreak because this is kind of something similar that you got to experience in your lifetime with a Cubs title after all those years of struggle. Yeah, man. People don't uh, realize how much being a real true fan of a team means when you finally win i mean some people get used to it you know it never gets old i have you know six bulls championships everyone's a little bit different man i mean the dodgers were the best team this year the lakers were the best team this year the best team doesn't always win but uh i'm happy for you buddy Thank you. Uh, I, I'm sure we'll have future shows where we talk about all sorts of Los Angeles sports, Chicago sports. We'll go back and forth, but this weekend is a, a awesome, an awesome week, best when it comes to, to horse racing. And the lineups for Friday and Saturday did not disappoint at all this year, just absolutely loaded. And we've got a good race to discuss here with the Dirt Mile. So we're going to start with Art Collector. We'll go inside out to outside and just give a few thoughts on each horse here. And Joe, a, a very interesting horse to, to begin with because Art Collector got so good earlier on in the year. And had he not had a small issue right before the Derby, he would have been your second choice. He would have had a big shot in there. Didn't miss a whole ton of training. Came back in the Preakness and... I don't know. If, I don't want to say it was a weird trip. I, I think we. I'm, I might have expected him to be a little more forwardly placed or aggressive. He he tried to take back, and there just wasn't a whole lot of passing going on in the Preakness. So where do you stand with our collector uh, cutting back now to the mile and, and coming into this race? I would say one of the more difficult reads for me yeah. on the Breeders' Cup card of the horses that I have an intimate knowledge of. I mean, obviously follow this horse. His entire career, most of it uh, in Kentucky. The Preakness was a little bit disappointing. You know, the top two ran huge. I expected a little bit more from our collector. Now he cuts back. You know, that short run into the first turns, you know, you want one of those inside posts. It could help him get good position or it could be a hindrance depending on how it plays out. He's a horse I'm willing to use, but in a defensive way, uh, you know, he kind of took a, a, a pretty solid step backwards in the Preakness. And I, this is a whole new dimension uh, for him. I mean, obviously the mile in the 16th race at Churchill earlier in the year was really good, as was a seven furlong race. Maybe this is going to be his best game moving forward, but uh, he's going to have to reprove it to me. I completely agree with you. I'm not 
totally against him One of his better efforts would be fine here I just expected a little bit more from the Preakness And it left a, a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth Moving forward uh, We get to the number two Sharp Samurai Who's been a, a pretty solid turf horse Out in Southern California for most of his career And I gotta say his effort in the Pacific Classic A couple starts back Chasing the lone speed of maximum security He really did a great job And he was sitting closer and had to be you know, the horse who did the dirty work, try to go after maximum security that day. I just, there are some other pretty solid dirt horses in here. You could talk, if someone made a case for him, it's always positive with Irad jumping aboard. I just, there are a, a few others in here I like. I wouldn't tell anyone not to use a 15 to 1 shot. Just not enough dirt form for me with Sharp Samurai. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you have a probably better uh, knowledge base on this horse. Than I do uh, being a Southern California horse. It just seems like a strange race choice to me. Yeah. Classic, probably a little too tough. Turf mile, maybe not sharp enough for that kind of race. Taking a little bit of a shot, you know, maybe you can utilize this horse third or fourth in uh, your tries and supers. But, you know, if this horse wins, I don't. Yeah, he he won't. I'm I'm with you. Underneath, if you love a horse on top and you just want to key some others and maybe don't let him beat you in the third and fourth spot, but uh, I'm not going to be using him on the win end. Silver Dust is, is um, a horse who who really fights. I mean, he he's so honest, and I'm sure you know him very well from the fairgrounds from Churchill. And it, it, this year, I was expecting him to have a really big year, and I, I guess I was a, a little bit disappointed in a spot or two. But when you look back at his overall body of work. He's pretty darn honest and he's had some tough starts and some tough beginnings where things might have not gone his way He's had to come from off the pace a little bit more But he sure shows up and as an absolute bomb I'm fine with using him on the bottom of the exotics Is he good enough though to compete with the best in here Joe? This is one of my top long shot plays of the entire Breeders' Cup Yeah So let me me walk you through this Gino So if you look back to the one turn mile race at Churchill May 23rd it was a super fast pace He was a part of it and Owendale came from dead last over a racetrack that favored outside closers to win that race. Silver Dust ran better than it looks that day. Then he comes back in the Foster going nine furlongs. He's three wide the entire trip, four wide on the turn. No match for the top two, but Tom's d'etat and by my standards are legitimate Breeders' Cup Classic horses. He was a distant third, but again, a better than it looks third. Then he comes back in the Ali Sheba. He's... In the race with By My Standards, their stable mates for Brett Calhoun, the strategy seemed to be a little bit curious as to who was going to do what because they both have similar running styles. Silver Dust gets taken back into the first turn by Adam Biscuitza. He's steadied. He's got a claustrophobic trip, rallies off heels five wide on the turn, and really finished well to be third that day. I think the cutback to this short-stretched mile for a horse that has tactical speed when the rider decides to use it and the stamina to have the finishing punch in the stretch. This is a horse that if he falls into a good trip, which he might is going to be completely overlooked by people and 20 or 30 to one. I think Adam's a good fit. He's gotten to know this horse a little bit. This horse can be a little bit quirky. Like I said, one of my top long shots The entire Breeders' Cup Good, you, you talked me into using him a little bit more I've been a fan of his, I've had him in a, a couple different years In some fantasy leagues that I play Because he's just a great 
honest, consistent horse. He always shows up and picks up a check. And I agree with you. You know, you look when you, he's just had some things that, that go against him this year. And when you look at who he's been defeated by, you're talking about legitimate horses that are going to be in the classic. So, Silver Dust, I'm going to definitely start uh, including him on a few more of my tickets now with a little bit of confidence to, um, from Joe. We move on to number four in here. And War of Will is. You know, he got he got his grade one win on the grass earlier this year in the Maker's Mark, which was a race that I, he didn't look like he was going to win that race, and it was a, a combination of class, falling into the right trip, good ride, everything to get him up right on the wire. He wasn't bad last time out in, in the Woodbine Mile. He was okay. Um, I, I'm really not sure what to do with him. He he wouldn't shock me if he bounced back to a good effort here. He's he's really fresh on the year. He's got speed. He can sit. He, I was a little shocked that he wasn't asked for more speed in his most recent start, and and he chose to kind of sit wide that wide trip on the turf, which doesn't always work. I guess it kind of worked for him a few times. Where do you stand with War of Will? Yeah, I mean, I've been a fan of his for the majority of his career, dating back to when he was at Fairgrounds and he won the LeCompte and he won the Risen Star. You know, then he took that awkward step and uh, pulled a muscle in the Louisiana Derby. We all know what happened in the Kentucky Derby and then the Preakness with him. Then his form completely tailed off. Then he's come back as a turf horse this year, you know, not having run on the Keeneland dirt, not training over the Keeneland dirt, which could be a little bit quirky. You know, I, I just think he's probably a notch below some of the horses I like yeah. best in here. And uh, I understand why they're going here instead of the turf mile, but, uh, Again, I'm willing to I'm willing to fade uh, War of Will. I just like too many others in this race more. One next horse up is the number five Nick's Go, who was a horse who ran outran his odds uh, a couple times early on when he was a two year old, uh, in particular at Keeneland over this racetrack, and then he really tailed off. He was sort of one of those precocious two year olds who's got some speed and he's just a little bit quicker and better than some early, and he didn't really seem to progress throughout his three year old year. Well, he switched borns. He's come back as a four-year-old, and he has had two races where he has been really impressive, really fast, and he's earned monster speed figures and and, and numbers. And he is a whether or not you like him in this race, or you are going to use him, or you love him, he's a horse that you have to kind of discuss and figure out because with his speed and with the fact that he just seems like a brand new horse for this barn, he he's sort of a polarizing horse in here, and he's going to be. I mean, seven to two on the morning line. He's he's going to be one of the shorter prices. He is almost certainly going to make the lead. We know he loves Keeneland. He definitely is fresh, having only started once this year. He broke the track record on October the fourth. He was eased under the wire. He ran super fast. No matter if you look at. Byers, Briss, Thoroughgraph, the Rags, all just monstrous numbers. He didn't beat much, obviously. Casino Star, Royal Mesa, both came back out of that race and didn't do much in their next start, subsequently at Churchill Downs. He's going to face more pressure, whether or not it's, whether it's in the beginning of the race, the middle of the race, the end of the race. And off a career best effort, you know, he could obviously regressed. Now, that being said, Brad Cox obviously has done a, a massively good job with this horse. He's coming into the Breeders' Cup loaded. This is a horse I'm going to use prominently, but I do think based on that sheet number, he's probably going to be over bet. 
So although I'll be using him, I'll be rooting against him with uh, some of the long shots we've talked about already or are going to talk about uh, here in the next few minutes. Mr. Money is a long shot, the number six. He's 20 to one on the morning line. And he got so good in the middle towards the end of 2019. And then, you know, anything that went on at Santa Anita in the Breeders' Cup of 2019, when a lot of horses threw clunkers in, you can be pretty forgiving for many of them. That was a, a really weird track, hard to make up a lot of ground. A lot of good horses just didn't fire that day. And then the beginning of this year, he just wasn't good. Period. He had, you know, maybe an excuse or two here and there, but he just was nowhere near himself. Um, the horse he showed last year, and and then he bounces back with a pretty solid effort in the ACAC. Is that good enough to make him a contender in here? I don't think so. I, I still don't think he's as good as he was last year. Although he yeah. did win the ACAC, you know, it was kind of circum circumstantial. So that was a smoking hot pace, a one turn mile. 22 and 3, 44 and 4. The rest of the race completely fell apart. Bourbon calling, thirst for life from way out of the clouds to run second and third. This horse got a pocket trip. He was held up a little bit on the turn. Then he got a dream run at the rail while all those closers were fanned seven, eight, nine wide. He got the golden uh, run up the inside, got the jump on the closers, was able to hold safe. It was, a, it was a dream trip over a racetrack that he likes. His only previous race at Keeneland uh, was not good earlier this year. Uh, although I do like some long shots in the in the dirt mile, this is not one of them. Rushy is a 20-to-1 shot right next door. This is a, a three-year-old who's going to be tackling older. He's had a, a really solid year so far. He was behind Honor AP and Authentic in the Santa Anita Derby. He was behind Art Collector and Swiss Skydiver after looking like he was looming into contention in the, the bluegrass. And then he was really good in, in the Pat Day mile. And, and maybe just shortening up was what he wanted best. And maybe it was just a, a little bit softer competition than he had faced in his, his previous few. We he's he's a little fresh. We haven't seen him for the, the two months or so since September the fifth. Um where do you stand with Rushy tackling older for the first time? I think the two turn mile is good for this horse because we've seen him perform well at a mile and an eighth, and we've seen him perform well over the one turn mile. He ran fairly well in the bluegrass, but again, if you're against Art Collector, I don't see how you could be for Rushy because Art Collector handled him pretty easily in the bluegrass, although a different dynamic to that race. Pat Day Mile, you know, moving forward out of that race didn't turn out to be as strong as it usually is. Great decision by Mike McCarthy to run in that race instead of the Kentucky Derby. He got the grade two win out of it. I just don't think he's fast enough to be a major player in here. Yeah, I'm I'm against uh, Rushy in this spot also. I think uh, he'll he'll uh, move forward as an older next year, but this isn't an easy spot. Yeah, the to me, I think a live long shot in Pirates Punch next door at twenty to one. I've I've chased him for a while in, in sort of some of the bigger spots, and at at the mile, I think he might be able to keep up. With some of them in here because the fact of he's got that positional speed, he can sit off. He beat, you know, horses that he was just better than last time out. This is going to be much tougher. I'm I'm not gonna completely dismiss him at 20 to 1 here, Joe. No, I agree with you. And I think what you said about him falling into a good trip with that positional speed is key here. He should get the right trip if he's good enough. Now I'm a little bit skeptical of the Mammoth races. Mm -hmm. Those races tend to come back fast. You know, the tight turns there 
et cetera, et cetera. But this horse showed a new dimension at Oak Lawn when he had that far outside post. He was forced to raid from off the pace. He had been a front runner his uh, entire career prior to that. Kind of showed Grant Forrester that maybe he could rate from a little bit out of it. He was overmatching the Stephen Foster after making the lead. And then, like you said, it's kind of reinvented himself as a mile, which might be his best trip. I'll be using him. I won't be using him as strongly as some of the other long shots I like. But I agree with you. I think he's found his best game. I think he's in the best uh, form of his career. And, Gino, we all have favorites in this game. I know you have you know personal relationships with jockeys, trainers, et cetera. Grant Forrester is one of the good dudes in this game. And, you know, even if I'm tearing up my tickets, if Grant wins this race, I'll be extremely happy for him. Pirates punched live long shot at 20 to 1 to include in some of your exotics. We get to the number nine, Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze comes in off of a grade two win in the Fayette after a couple. I guess trips that he may not have wanted um, in the Met in particular, maybe even at Oaklawn too. His A game is pretty good, and he's capable of putting up a really big effort at a mile. He is not without uh, a shot in here. I'm, I'm, I'm. He, he's another one that I'm. I, I don't love. I don't hate. He'll be on some of my tickets for sure. Where do you stand with Mister Freeze? I don't like him at all at six to one. I don't know about that morning line. I mean, I'm thinking maybe he's going to probably be more in the 10 to 12 to one range. And and that would pique my interest a a little bit more. You know, he did win the Fayette over a fast track at Keeneland. He likes this racetrack and that does count for something. He was five wide on the first turn in the Fayette. He was four wide off the second turn while still in hand. He responded, won that race gamely, but obviously Aurelius Maximus title ready, although he's going to go in the classic you know, those that's softer competition than what he's going to be facing in this one. Uh, kind of uh, on the fence with Mr. Freeze. Not a horse I'll be using prominently, but uh, maybe slightly defensively. You know, if I'm playing pick fours, pick fives, I've got other horses singled in other races. Uh, maybe I'll utilize them on a few tickets. Complexity is your morning line favorite in this race. He, he he's he's a, a horse who's really good when he's around sometimes, but he it feels like he's not around all that that much. But he showed up in a couple of big races recently, and the the race where he got beat by Win 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 that was one of the crazier races you'll see. I mean, Win 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 is not on the screen anywhere. He, he he does not at any point look like he's going to win, and then all of a sudden he just comes out of nowhere and he snaps Complexity. Complexity came back and he sat just off the speed and was able to get the jump, and he was kind of waiting on Code of Honor, tried to get the jump on Code of Honor, and it was a, a good ride. Um, he is your two to one morning. Line favorite. I mean, I could. He, he's he's talented, no doubt. But um, do you need to use this favorite? Yeah, I agree with you when you say but um because that's how yeah. I feel about this horse. Yeah, you know he's important to the race, Gino, because he's the horse that could uh, keep Nick's go honest, and I think that's really important to you know the race shape here because Nick's go from the inside is going to make the lead. Complexity's fast enough to get over and put himself in a perfect pressing position. But, man, I look at his past performances, and the only two-turn race I see was in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and he was terrible. All these other races are one-turn races. Belmont, one-turn miles, uh, seven furlong races, six furlong races. This is a different dynamic around two turns, and, you know, he looks really fast on paper, but that's a different kind of race. Very short run into the first turn. If he breaks a step or two slowly, 
with uh, some other horses with tactical speed to his inside. He could get hung out to dry. You know, he broke very slowly in the in the forego and then rushed up to battle a hot pace. So uh, a clean gate break is not a given uh, necessarily for this horse. Um, you know, I'm not 110% against him. Again, probably using a little bit defensively, but uh, certainly not a horse that I'm overly confident in as one of the favorites and actually a horse that I'm looking forward to taking a stand against for the most part. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head for me. I'm concerned. Could he win this race? And even even if he won like sitting just off the pace and won impressively, I would not be shocked whatsoever. He feels like the type of horse who I'm not sure if he could overcome some adversity. If he got into some trouble, if he ended up being a few lengths back, if he's not sitting in a nice stalking trip, you know, two or three wide right off of it, I'd, I'd be a little bit concerned of his ability to make up four or five lengths in here or have to weave in and out. I just don't know if he's that kind of horse. He's kind of one of that when everything goes right, small fields kind of, you know, beat up on the beat up on the little kids that you're better than. But then, you know, when the bully punches you, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to punch back. That's my concern with complexity. I agree with you. And, and you know what? The short stretched mile is going to help him if he gets that perfect trip. Mm-hmm. Which he very well might outside yeah. of Nick's go. So there's a chance that could happen, but there's a lot of other things that could happen. And yeah, if he's eight to five, you know, and, and I don't. This is a this is a a fun race that we've been going through where we both feel like there are other juicier options. A couple more here to discuss as we finish up the uh, the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile with Joe Christofek. We're talking the uh, eleven Jesus's team. Who, hey man, I I love seeing horses like this. Who was a, a horse who was a twenty five claimer. Earlier in the year and he has just moved Up the ranks he's so honest he was fourth In the Haskell and third in the Jim Dandy and then he was third in the Preakness something that um, has To be you know incredible for these connections Feels like a a Tough spot to me I I just don't know if he's quite Good enough to now step up and compete with Older but very cool story and he's had An excellent year yeah The post doesn't make his job any easier Either I can't possibly see him Not getting hung wide on the first Turn with tactical speed and other horses with similar running styles to his inside. He's up against it from every way possible. Does have an aggressive rider in Louis Saez. So, you know, maybe this horse will be more forwardly placed in and out of the first turn than uh, we envision necessarily on paper, but just not fast enough. Gino, uh, Jesus's team, I would venture to say, is going to need some divine intervention. <laughs> yeah, he'll need a little help from uh, maybe the man upstairs there. Um uh, Owen Dale is the 12 is the last horse in the body of this field and I mean he's another who on his better days he's super capable. He if he gets the type of trip that he needs and and I don't think where we've seen him in his last two starts That's probably not where he wants to be I don't think he has to be as far back As he's been sometimes Maybe more mid-pack You know Owendale though uh, a little bit better than me Where do you stand with Owendale rounding out this field? I think he's at his absolute best When he takes back and makes one huge run mm-hmm. uh, I'll say this about His campaign this year May 23rd, the blame Myself, you know Scott Shapiro we, you know James Scully, we're thinking this is a prep for the Foster, and it's a one-turn mile race. He's not going to win the blame. He rallies seven wide. He levels off, and he just puts in that typical Owendale late-closing move to get up, runs a disappointing race in the Foster, but again, Tom's Detat is my pick for the Classic, so losing to Tom's Detat certainly is no disgrace. Then you come back in the Ali Sheba. You're closer to the pace. You run a good second 
to buy my standards. You run a good second in the Pimlico special, staying a little bit closer to the pace. Now you're cutting back to a mile. The post isn't going to hurt this horse because most likely he's just going to take back and try mm-hmm. to make one big run. So kind of one of those horses where I'll use uh, not as much as some of the other long shots we've talked about, but you know I can see this horse blitzing him. He's one for one at Keeneland and uh, maybe getting the job done in a little bit of an upset. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, not don't like him as much as some of the others, but I do like him because I just have this thought in my head that he might just be able to fly past everybody. Yeah, um, definitely not what he wanted to be really up close in his last couple or sitting much closer. I, I agree with you in that. Like, he just seems best when he can settle. Don't worry about you no know, pressing or anything like that and just make your one run and hope the, there was enough speed for you to, uh, to, to go after. So there's your field of 12. We have uh, Ping Yang, who's... On the outside, the also eligible Who, I just, I have a tough time um, A lot of times with horses like this In particular um, That trying to stack up Where this dirt form will stack up Against the dirt form here in America With North American horses Who are, you know, the best dirt horses In the world So I, you have to have really proved me something If I'm going to be using a horse That's coming in maybe from Japan I want to see that maybe they were running in Dubai Against other horses that I know that are, you know At this top level I couldn't really make too strong of a case for this one If you were to draw in Yeah, I can't make any case for this horse First of all, I don't know anything about him And secondly, it took him, what, five races to break his maiden And he's had very erratic form since then Uh, The connections, you know, probably want to visit some of the farms in uh, in Lexington (laughs) Yeah, That's my guess There you go yeah, get a trip so, to the the USA and get a a nice look at, at Keeneland, no doubt about it. A fun race here to discuss uh, in the the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, and some real you know real wild card question mark horses who could just the three in general that could have a really big say in this race, win or lose. Art Collector, Nick's Go, and Complexity, all because with you know the ability to show good speed with art collector down on the rail where he could have a, a, a questionable trip with complexity. We have some question marks about him and his maybe durability. And if he gets, you know, um, you know, hooked a little bit wide and this is, this is a fun race because when you can make people talk about good betting races or wide open races, but for me, the best betting races are the races where I can make cases against the horses like that Who I think are going to be popular plays And like you and I have done throughout this race We can make cases for four or five horses that are going to be you know, anywhere from you know, 6, 8 to 30 to 1 Yeah, and you know what? Some people don't like the dirt mile because they say it takes horses away from the classic Or they say it takes horses away from the sprints I love this race, man. It gives uh, horses and connections an opportunity to run their horse where they belong. It's an interesting dynamic uh, with it being a short stretch, two-turn race at Keeneland. You know, I've had a lot of success in this race in the past. Just having an idea which of the one-turn horses or sprint-type horses might stretch out, which of the cutback horses are going to be sharp enough to perform well over this sort of trip. You know, horses like uh, Tapazar, who was a huge price, Battle of Midway. Uh, you look back to City of Light, who wasn't a big price, but, man, Golden he was sense. impressive a couple of years ago. What was that? Golden Sense. Yeah, no, twice. I mean, he won yeah. it twice, right, Golden Sense? Yeah. Liam's Map. So, I mean, this is a race I've had the most success with. And I know when you and I chatted about, you know, doing a Breeders' Cup race for, for your pod, this is the one uh, that I was looking forward to doing. I appreciate the fact that you gave me a chance to talk about it. Now, uh, let's get Silver Dust home. 
Yeah, and and I agree. It's it's. I mean, you look at the three races this year. None of them feel like they are shortchanged. The classics got a great field lined up. The sprint is going to be a really solid race, and this is a really good race on paper. I don't feel like any of them got shortchanged because there's another race in the middle of all of them. It, and I feel that way. I mean, you look at even some of the the more recent additions to the Breeders' Cup races. This year is a great renewal. We've got 14 in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint to start. Yeah, I mean, think about it, Gino. If you're a mile and an eighth horse, do you really want to try to stretch out against legitimate mile and a quarter horses, or would you rather back it up and try to, you know, show that type of stamina and some closing kick against horses that uh, maybe are stretching out to a mile? I mean, I, I think from a handicapper's perspective, the Dirt Mile is a fascinating race because there's a lot of uh, variables you can factor in and, um, you know, maybe take a shot with a long shot or two or a square price and, and pace wise, you should have no problem figuring out how the pace might unfold as well. So yeah, this is a great breeders cup. I, I tweeted it out the other day. You know, I don't have to work this year. You know, sometimes I'm on the, on the breeders cup, you know, world feed broadcast team and other years I've been on the notes team and other years, you know, I've been at Churchill and we have the breeders cup. I'm going to play in the BCBC. I'm going to over handicap everything and I'm going to bet my brains out and have a few adult beverages and just enjoy it as a fan. And uh, very, very appreciative of that. Oh, I'm going to do the same thing this this year. I'm, I'm happy. Everybody was so cool because you and I are recording this Tuesday night. And this will be out Wednesday night. And then once my shows are out Wednesday night, I'm done for the week. Everything's in the books. I can kick back and relax and uh, have a few drinks. And uh, and Milo will watch his, uh, his first Breeders' Cup with me this year. Really, really excited. Joe to have had you and I can't wait to have you back again Churchill um, Fairgrounds you know I know you've uh, Arlington you've been all over the place you've always done great work there and I, I always appreciate how much you put in and um, I appreciate you have a good time too people just you're you're someone that anytime I've mentioned or I posted about you I always get a couple of people that say oh I love Joe he does such a great job and uh, really appreciate your work and uh, keep it up man thank you so much yeah man well same goes uh, for me and my admiration of the job that you do because you're a great ambassador for the sport. Uh, you love it for everything that it is, not only as a, as a horse player and somebody likes to gamble, uh, likes to gamble on it, but as a fan. And like I said, as an ambassador and uh, yeah, just keep up with your doing too. And hopefully we'll have a little bit of uh, luck this weekend. A few noses go our way and we'll have some great stories to tell. Give us your plug uh, on social media. So everyone can give you a follow. Yeah. It's Joey decay racing. Uh, you know, Twitter, I'm not a huge, huge Twitter guy when it comes to, you know, getting involved in conversations back and forth with people, but I'm always uh, available if somebody reaches out with a question, someone wants to have a conversation about racing, you know, Gino, sometimes they have to pull some of these people up and put them in their place. <laughs> we all do. Bad takes I see on Twitter. <laughs> we all do. And I love yeah. that. That's what I love about you. We, you you're not, you're, you're, you're nice when it needs to be, but if, if someone's uh, acting a fool out there, you're going to let them know. Yeah. And they, I mean, horses will make you look stupid all the time, but sometimes people, you know, and everybody's got an opinion. They deserve to have an opinion, but I have an opinion too. And I've been doing this obviously a long time and, you know, if you if you're not confident in your own opinion, uh, and we all have things to learn in this game every day. If you're not learning every day, then you're you're not you know following and and paying attention. Yeah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's a lot of fun. And again, uh, the communication with other racing fans. I like to tell people we're one big dysfunctional family in horse racing, 
And uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way. It really feels that way, Joe. It was a pleasure uh, really having a, the first conversation like this with you after many back and forth uh, on social media and stuff. Uh, and hopefully, this is the the first of many to come. Good luck this weekend. Make some money and enjoy some of those adult beverages. All right, you got it. Cheers, man. Same to you. You heard how to follow uh, Joe out there. Uh, he's a great one. Anytime you need help with uh, with some of your handicapping, don't go anywhere, folks. We have much more ahead. We'll be heading to uh, race number seven next to talk more Breeders' Cup. Really fun race to discuss with Joe here, and uh, I'm, for me, the horse that I I, I want to make sure that I'm using in um all of the exotics is the number eight. Uh, Pirates Punch. You know, the more and more I look at this race, I, I'll be using along with some others, but I'm hoping that he's able to work out a really nice trip and sort of just kind of fall into it. So I'll have Pirates Punch with. I mean, I guess I have a like a col- collection of four horses that are sort of towards the top. Pirates Punch complexity. I'm not quite as complete toss hold on as Joe you know the more I look at this uh, this race I think there is opportunities for him to steal it so you're playing pick fours pick fives you know whatever your exotic approach is he's not one that I'll completely dismiss I'll kind of have him in the second spot and third spot I'll be using him on, on most of most of the tickets so eight ten what are you going to do with Nick's go he'll be on some for me total wild card in here um, I will include War of Will on a few. I think he's another one who just kind of could fall into a, a really good trip. Hopefully, he's he's not too far out of it. And the question mark are you know Art Collector? Are you going to throw him in? I would prefer even throwing horses like uh, like Joe had said with Silver Dust at a big price. I'm going to throw him in uh, on a couple of exotics in here. So eight, ten, five, four, three. You know, art collector. If he's around five to one, I'm okay throwing him uh, on a ticket or two. What do you do with Owendale? So when I'm able to mention seven or eight different horses like that, you know, it's a it's a really wide open type race. And so yeah, this isn't a race where I have I I like the race. I don't love Pirates Punch as a horse, so I'm going to say I'm going to bet a ton or to win on, or I'm going to single. I'll probably bet a few bucks on Pirates Punch, and I will use in all in a lot of the exotics. So, thank you to Joe for helping us out with the the Breeders Cup Dirt Mile. Before we move along and talk Philly and Mare Turf, we have to talk about Sarah Candles. SarahCandles.com. The website. The promo code GINO will get you 10% off your purchase. So. These are all natural soy wax candles. They will burn longer and they are better for you. They're better for you because they don't have any toxins, any carcinogens, any pollutants that are in paraffin wax, which is in a lot of the other leading brands. All natural, affordable prices. You've got like 20 or so different options here. Seasonal scents, scents for every mood, every time, three different sizes. This is a local small business that just loves candles and that's how the business was created they wanted to create a good candle for themselves that was a little bit healthier and that could burn a little bit longer they found out hey this is affordable this is something that we can do and we can share with uh, with our friends and everyone out there i know the people that have created this company i've known them for 25 plus years this is a great holiday gift mom dad brother sister boyfriend girlfriend friends anyone in the family and because you can 
select different scents to match each person. They give you instructions on how to keep your candle clean and how to make sure you have the perfect burn. Because remember, we're dealing with the candle here. You have to you trim your wick because you don't want the sparks to come up. You're going to make sure to uh, to put the candle out with the, with the lid. So they care about you at Sarah Candles. And the promo code G-I-N-O will give you a bonus just for listening to That's What G Said. You get 10% off of your purchase there. SarahCandles.com C-E-R-A Candles.com On we go Breeders Cup Philly and Mare Turf Andrew Champagne Darren Zocali The boys from the old wrestling rewatch They're going to join me We're going to talk about the Breeders Cup Philly and Mare Turf We're going to go horse by horse With some thoughts on each The fellas from the old wrestling rewatch Are back but we're going to be talking about the Breeders' Cup this weekend. So I figured might as well, instead of uh, having Darren join me for one race and Andrew join me for one race, why not just keep the team together and I'll uh, I'll have the boys help me out with both of the big turf races for Saturday. So uh, DZ, Andrew, thanks a lot, boys. We're going to be talking Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf now, and then uh, we'll have a, a discussion on the Breeders' Cup Turf a little bit later on. And I think, you know, one thing we've definitely noticed in this particular era, when we can kind of just give an overview of both races, in this particular era of U.S. turf racing, the last couple years, we may have had some better horses in, in some of the divisions. As far as the U.S., this year, in, in these two races, in particular, this first one we're going to talk about, I thought the Euros looked really tough. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I mean, the Philly and Mare turf for me is a little different because I have the utmost respect for rushing fall. I think I, I think that rushing fall is, is exponentially better than anything that the United States contingent puts out in the Breeders' Cup turf. It's fair, yeah. So I, I, I give her you know, a lot more respect than I do the U.S. contingent in the turf. But that being said, um, there are some very good uh, Euro invaders here. Uh, that are that are rapidly developing that really make things interesting. And there's a couple of Euro invaders in here that might be flying under the radar that are going to be worth the second look that we could talk about. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Darren. I think Rushing Fall is a very special mare. 11 for 14 lifetime. If she gets her Breeders' Cup win, her second Breeders' Cup win, it's tough to doubt if she's a Hall of Famer or not. She's not going to have it easy, though. Chad Brown's got a couple of horses that have some talent, but the big runners, the big guns, are getting shipped in from Europe. One of them is my top pick, and it's an axiom that I am very much looking forward to discussing with you when we get to that horse. Well, uh, we're going to go horse by horse. We'll give uh, some thoughts on each, how we'll use them, how we will, if we will play against them, and we will begin with Starship Jubilee. So if you're following along, we're talking about race number seven on Saturday, November the 7th. We're in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf Mile and 316th. We're over at Keeneland, and we will begin with Starship Jubilee. She beat the boys in the Woodbine Mile last time out, and she was behind Rushing Fall, Mean Mary, Sister Charlie, uh, two starts back. She defeated Sister Charlie three starts back. She is such an honest mare. Really cool story. Um, you can say many, many things about her. I, in particular, I don't really love her uh, as much in this spot. I feel like she is a cut below Rushing Fall. And so for me, it's... it. I think that rushing fall and um, and and some of the others I would look to, but um, all the respect in the world for her. But in particular, in this spot, I just like others a little bit more. 
if if the Breeders' Cup was at Woodbine, I'd be all in on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah. beat her at Woodbine. It, it's and and you know what? Maybe there's something to be said about she likes that kind of a wide sweeping course. And maybe mm-hmm. if the Breeders' Cup was at Belmont, uh, she'd be a more intriguing play. Um, yeah, I mean, look, her Woodbine mile, she got a perfect trip. Uh, she did steady a little bit, as the as the line says, but uh, she really couldn't have gotten a much better trip there, and and, and she raced extremely well. Um, you know, stretching out now from a mile to a mile and three sixteenths. Um, you know, I mean, is that a huge deal? No, of course not, because she's won the EP Taylor at a mile and a quarter. Uh, her speed figures, especially on the on the Ragazin side, are close. Uh, she ran just over a five last time. But if you look at the Diana, uh, you know, that kind of really puts things in perspective. As to I completely what- agree, I just couldn't yeah. get past that race. That was the now, one that just know, jumped I, off the I page. Will to- say, yeah, and I, and as we talk about Sister Charlie, I, I will talk about that race a little bit more because there's a an interesting point about that race I want to make. But that was a, and it was a bit of a weird race, and we'll talk about why. Um, look, if anybody likes her and she's going to go off eleven and twelve to one, she's not that far behind the best mm-hmm. of the speed figure standpoint. So I'm not going to talk you off of her, uh, and I will be using her a bit underneath. But in terms of the win end, uh, she would be a little bit of a surprise for me. I think Starship Jubilee presents a lot of value in certain wagers, especially with the addition of Florent Giroux. Giroux, a very aggressive rider. Now, Starship Jubilee doesn't need the lead, obviously, but she wants to be pretty close up. And I think the pace for this race might be a little on the slower side. Mean Mary is obviously going to go. Rushing Fall has shown in her last two starts. She does not need the lead in order to run well. I think she may very well take back. And I think it might be a situation where maybe Starship Jubilee is able to sit a terrific trip second or third and is able to hang on for a piece of it. On top, I would tend to agree with you guys that she needs a lot to go right. But as Darren mentioned, 10, 12 to 1, that's value there. She'll be on some of my wider multi-race exotics tickets, and she'll be on the bottom of my vertical exotics and exactus trifactus. Yeah, she she I, I agree with, with both that she's not far off. She she's not. And things it wouldn't be crazy to see her in the winner's circle. She would just have to, you know, run a career best, get a really good trip, and one or two others would, you know, you know, have to regress. Maybe a euro or two doesn't show up. Um we move to Sister Charlie, who was your your winner of this race. Back in 2018 And then put together just an incredible 2019 but Couldn't seal the deal winning the Breeders Cup In 2019 and then just Hasn't really been the same so far This year Darren although it's only Been two starts from a speed figure And numbers standpoint she's been Low she hasn't really had the same Turn of foot again it's tough To gauge because it's only been twice but she Just has not seemed the same What do you do with sister Charlie in here so, okay, this gives me the opportunity to, to talk about the Diana how I wanted to. So, um, I, on paper, and if you watch the race, it looks like she was absolutely no match for the top two. And, yeah, that's true. But here's why it was a weird race. It was a five-horse field. They went 45-4 and four from half-mile pole to the mile. Uh, excuse me. From, from the, from the um, yeah, from the half-mile pole to the mile. 45-4. and four. So Sister Charlie tried to make her move to try to close in on the leaders when they were running their absolute fastest point of the race. You're not going to win doing that. It was just a badly timed move for how the flow of the race went. You don't see those kinds of sprints 
from from the half mile pole to the mile pole on the, on, on the turf course. Like that, that was the harness guy in you right there with that that, uh, that, that internal <laughs> splits right there. <laughs> that half, I love that. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, was. But but it was a very oddly run race because of it. Now that makes that race probably look worse than it was. And knowing the type of mare that she's been in the past, you you wonder if she can dial things back. Now that being said, she only has two starts this year. She's behind in speed figures from all standpoints, Ragazin, Bayer, Thoroughgraph. But if anybody is going to get a mare like this on top of her game in the biggest race of the year, it is Chad Brown. I would want to take value, but that's the key. That, that Diana was not as bad as it looked for the reasons that I discussed. Yeah, and Andrew, the conversation with her is different if she's six to one, seven to one, than if she's five to two. You know, and that won't be the case most likely in this race. I think she should because of those two efforts that haven't been as good. She's not the now horse anymore. Where do you think uh, Sister Charlie stacks up in this field? If the Sister Charlie from early to mid twenty nineteen shows up in this race, she wins. However, she's not that horse anymore. And furthermore, going back to my original point. I don't think the early pace is going to be that fast. It's not going to be slow, but I think you're looking at a potential 23 and four to the quarter, 48 and change to the half. One of those situations. And I just don't think that plays in a sister Charlie's hand. Very accomplished mayor has done a lot. Was a deserving favorite last year when she ran third in this race behind Iridessa, who was a daymaker for me that day. I will always remember watching nice. that race at an OTB in Denver, Colorado. That in and of itself is a heck of a story that I'll tell at some point. But going back to Sister Charlie, I just think the ship has sailed, and I think she's a cut below the best in here. I think she's going to get bet down a little bit off of that morning line solely because of her accomplishments and her connections. I respect what she's done, but I don't think she can bring that form to this race. Let's talk peaceful here. Um, the number three, the the question that I have, Darren, with peaceful is this the type of trip that she wants going this far? Um, she, you know, is it? She's a Group One winner at a mile. She recently was just a close-up third behind um, Circuit. She, she, she was a close-up third, and she just had no response when she asked. She was backed up. She finished last. That was on a, a heavy race course. So obviously going to be a much different type course to deal with here, but I don't know. There are there are some question marks for me. She's a three year old filly. She is, she's going to have to deal with some tougher, older in here. She's going to have to do it going a little bit farther than where she's been better. I like some of the other euros more than a, than I like peaceful. Yeah, if you're going to land on a euro, I agree. It's hard to land on her. Uh, speed figures are not up to up to snuff with the rest of these. Throughout the last race, I mean that that was obviously a, a complete disdain for the going. Uh, and if you go back and you watch that race, heavy is an understatement. That was a bop. Yeah. You know, she, and she you know, just stopped. You, when horses just stop like that and have zero turn of foot, you can really put a line right through it. It's um, it's just always a tough one to tra- come travel for a big race off of an effort that's so disappointing because sometimes you wonder if it if it takes a little something out of you to, to run that poorly. I, I, I agree. Uh, you know, she, she does have more tactical speed than a lot of the Euros, but – She's going to have to completely reverse her form. Her only, two, I mean, she did win the Irish 1000 guineas. Fancy Blue is is a nice filly who came back to win uh, the pre-Diane uh, Ashanti. So, you know, at her best, can she get in the mix? She can. But, you know, I think she's kind of over the top right now and would have to cycle back forward a bit. She might. 
but now we're getting into the value discussion here. You're telling me I can get Ryan Moore and A.J. Yeah. O'Brien in a gigantic turf that's, race that's at 12 to 1, where if you draw a line through the new market race, this is a horse that's run first or second in the last five starts, three of which were group ones. Um, okay. I think this one absolutely has a shot to hit the board. I think has a lot of similarities to Starship Jubilee. May need to improve a little bit in order to win this race, but given what she wants to do being on or near the lead, and given the fact that she's a European runner getting first-time Lasix, which is one of the most powerful angles in Breeders' Cup history, I need to use her. I think she's absolutely a player in here, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if she won. We move on to Mean Mary, who... I mean, on paper, you got to imagine she's setting the pace. Maybe, uh, as Andrew mentioned, uh, from the inside, Starship Jubilee coming out of a, a mile race will try to get a little aggressive. But I still think she she's probably the one on the lead. And I, I just don't know. And she's got a, a great opportunity from just a pace standpoint, as Andrew has hit on a couple times. There's not a ton of it on paper. The The problem that I have is just in in the Diana, that, that's the type of trip that she might get again. And why is she going to be able to hold off rushing fall among other probably better horses and some real strong horses with a really nice turn of foot than she did that day? I just, I, if, if rushing fall is able to stay anywhere close to her, I think that to me, Darren, that sort of eliminates Mean Mary from this race because I think rushing fall will be able to have her measured at any point. So if, you know, if Mean Mary is around seven to two, and then she will probably be one of the shorter horses that I, I play against, at least on the win end here. I don't know if she can turn the table. And it, it, it sounds weird because it was only a, a margin of a neck, right? But I, I, she still was slightly second best. She did battle all the way. I just I just prefer Rushing Fall much more over her. And, and it's not like Rushing Fall is slow. So for me, I, I couldn't really get that much to mean, Mary. What about you? Yeah, yeah, that race was really good in the Diana. I mean, yeah. you know, like I... Like I said, I mean, she ran really, really quick for a mile and an eight turf race up front and showed really, you know, listen, did she try to get separation and try to get away from rushing fall? She did. But, I mean, she fought tooth and nail all the way down to the wire with the best problem, what is probably the best filling in mare turf horse in the country uh, and got beat a neck. You know, when, when someone gets beat a neck in a race like that, uh, I can't write her off, um, you know. Is she really going to get a much less favorable pace scenario going a mile and three sixteenths when, when these riders in spots like this sometimes want to plot along a little bit? If anything, she might get some softer fractions. I don't think she's going to have to go sub 46 in a middle half mile here uh, on the lead. So I respect the hell out of her. Uh, I would listen, but I want to take too short of a price. No, of course not. But man, don't, don't sell her short and don't let her beat you because if she duplicates that Diana, she's right there on the wire again. Where do you stand with Mary, uh, Andrew? I'm going to lay out a scenario here, and I just want to make sure there's a complete clarity. If Mean Mary goes out in 25 and 3, 51 and change, that sound you hear is going to be me screaming at the top of my lungs, God damn it! <laughs> simply because if Mean Mary gets out to that kind of a trip, she wins. The problem is I don't think she does. I think a lot needs to go right in order for Mean Mary to win this race. Not a lot needs to go right for her to run second or third, but on the win end, 
I think she's an underlay because I don't think she gets that kind of trip. Having said that, if something happens between now and post time that makes the pace picture even friendlier to her, maybe she gets that kind of trip. I don't know. Seven to two would be a bit tough for me to swallow. We move to the number five, my sister Nat, another Chad Brown runner in here. We've got a, a horse, a mare, five year old, who was defeated by Civil Union in her last two. She was defeated by Mean Mary back in June in the New York. In her most recent start when she was second in that flower bowl She she had a slow start And that's sort of been a problem with her, Darren She's a slow starter She has to come from way out of it And she's not that far behind the civil unions or mean Marys If she gets the kind of trip it, But with her lack of tactical speed It forces her into the type of trips that she's going to get Where she's Five six wide. She doesn't, you know, get to save all the ground. It's not a efficient type trip, and I just can't. I don't think she closes as well as some of the others in here. I'm not quite that high on my sister Nat. Where do you stand? Uh, I would be. I would be a lot higher. Well, I, I won't say a lot higher. I would be higher on her if the race was a mile and a quarter or a mile and three eighths. Um, I think the the loss of the sixteenth of a mile that that Keeneland the mile and three sixteenths. I think. Uh, hurts her a little bit. That being said, uh, in the Flower Bowl, I thought she ran the best race of the top three. Um, she, had a, she, she had a circle up wide, Civil Union cut all the corners, saved all the ground, squeezed out in between horses, had a dream run, uh, and she only got beat ahead. Um, you know, listen, the slow starts are a problem. Jose Ortiz got to figure out a way to get her rolling sooner. But like you said, she is not that far behind. Somebody in the prices is going to be overlooked. That they're going to go off 13, 14, 15 to 1. Uh, and if this is the mare that actually ends up at that level, you have to take a look at her because she should not be fought four to five times the price of some of these other horses. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I'm just worried that the, the race she runs last time is is the race she could run here and be second or third I would not talk you off tossing her in any of those spots I probably won't have her on on tickets and pick fours and pick five situations like that But maybe, you know, if I'm if I'm single Depending on the rest of the, the way I, I build a ticket If I'm single to another horse in another spot She could be one of the last that I include uh, What about for you, Andrew? I'm going to play a game here I'm going to read all of the comment lines Six wide, pinch start Slow start, yeah. pinch start, five wide, seven wide, shut off, rated, yep. dwelt, bumped. This is a horse that would find trouble in a one-horse race. I hate betting horses like this. Horses like this that always seem to run late for second or third, always seem to get in the worst trouble imaginable. You have to think this is not an easy horse to ride. I feel for Jose Ortiz here. She's got a lot of talent, but she would need a clean trip and a career best effort in order to factor in here. There's just too much in her way. I can't endorse her. We get to one of the major, major players in here, and that is Rushing Fall. I mean, she's awesome. She she really is. And she, the, the, though, we will have to mention, this will be slightly the farthest she's ever had to go. And this will definitely be the toughest field she's ever had to face. Not only will she feel uh, face her rival from last time out, Mean Mary, Sister Charlie, she'll also have to deal with some new faces, some Euros, some other up-and-coming horses that we've been discussing. 
But she loves this course She's got that running style Darren that is so nice and tactical And just on paper She projects to be sitting second Or third in here nicely Get the jump on all of these deeper Closers who are going to have to be waiting For a, a trip or waiting for Some room to round up I can't leave her off my tickets There are plenty of favorites throughout the card Or short price horses on both days That I'm I'm going to take chances against She won't be one of them But I, I will be using her with a few others But she, she will be on all my tickets As far as like in the win end And pick fours, pick fives, that kind of thing So, I mean, look here Here's her, her, her last I'll give you her last six starts, okay Buyer speed figures 103, 103, 95 When she got floated wide in the first lady 103, 103, 102. Thoroughbred figures, 2, 2, 2, 1, 2, 1. Ragazin figures, 5 and 3 quarters, 6 and a quarter, 6 and a quarter, 6 and a quarter, 6, 5 and 3 quarters. She runs the same winning race every single time. I hate favorites, especially in the Breeders' Cup. I always try to find ways to beat them. And I'm not saying that this is a stone cold lock, but if you are taking a stand against rushing fall, it is not because of anything that's in the past performance data, and it's not because of anything that you've seen from her on the racetrack. It's just you're taking a shot. You have to admit that that's what you're doing, and you have to use this mare defensively because she is completely the horse to beat, and you have to recognize that fact. I've got a question for you guys. I know Chad Brown does not like running Phillies against the boys. It is not something he has traditionally done, and it has been something he has refrained from doing with both Russian Fall and Lady Eli before her. Looking at the entries for this race and looking at the entries for the mile, which has a distance that's far more within her scope, do you think he may have entered her in the wrong race? Because the mile does not look nearly as imposing as this race does. This race drew a lot of talented European runners with rushing fall going a distance of ground that she hasn't gone before. So it's, it's curious to see that given the way the entry shook out. Now, all of that said, I'm still going to be using rushing fall. I've picked her second in this race. It's the old Harvey Pack analogy, though. Never bet a horse as the favorite, to do something it's never done before. She's never gone past a mile and an eighth. I don't think a mile and three sixteenths is beyond her scope. Would it shock me if she got nailed late, though? It wouldn't. And in fact, there's a horse we're going to talk about pretty shortly that I think might be doing the nailing and getting the money at a pretty big price. We're going to move on to Terabellum. This is a horse that uh, Darren and I spoke a little bit about earlier on in the day. And uh, Darren, of the Euros, I think this horse has a really, really big shot in here. This is a horse who last time we saw at similar distances, she won. All three wins are at a mile and a quarter. Last out, she was at the back of the pack. She moved in between. She grinded late. She just... Feels like a horse that wants to go farther I think this is exactly what she wants This is right up her alley uh, I like Terabellum quite a bit I'm going to be using her in all my exotics in here um, uh, Tell us a little bit about Terabellum So Terabellum I think that this mare This filly in this spot Is a is going to be a John Gosden work of art And what I mean by that is Take a look at her last year as a three-year-old and, and early this year, all of her races at a mile and a quarter. She had a lot of races on soft ground. 
uh, you know, the Prix Opera last year and just a fourth lifetime start on soft ground. She came back in the Dahlia Stakes to, to kick off her campaign. She won in a mile and a quarter. She finishes second by a head in the Queen Anne in a great effort. Third beat and a half over soft going behind Nazif in the in the uh, Tattersalls. Then you look at the uh, the last race, the, the Sun Chariot, where she faced Nazif again, and it doesn't look like a good race line. She made a strong move from the three furlongs to the furlong. Again, that course at Newmarket was a bog. Now, I think that this has all been by design, John Gosden, running at her a mile, running at a mile, getting her more and more fit with a circle around this race all year and saying, okay, when the chips are in, I'm going to get her back out to the mile and three sixteenths, and she's going to do damage. I think moving back to Frankie DeTore, second race back off the layoff, getting good to firm going, I think she's sitting on a monster race and has a huge chance to pull the upset. You know, I thought I was being creative here. Oh, no. I really did. <laughs> uh -oh. oh, no. I, well, then I started talking to people, not just you guys. Gino, a mutual friend of ours by the name of James Lee, loves this horse, loves Terabella. And then I look at the morning line. Darren, yeah. you have made morning lines. Yes. You know that making morning lines is a thankless job that is much harder than 90% of handicappers will give you credit for. I have the utmost respect for morning line makers and the job they do. This is wrong. This is just plain wrong. There is no way, shape or form, Terabellum will be 20 to 1 on Saturday. It's just not going to happen. If you get 10 to 1, I think that is a very fair price. I agree. Felt, to me, felt more even yeah. like an 8 to 1 shot, you know, and and – and that and that's fine. I just hope we don't get this super crazy overreaction where this horse opens up at like seven to two or something absurd. Yeah, but, I, but I'd imagine like in half, it, it's still fine. Probably. I mean, Darren, what were you projecting as far as like a price? Uh, I on Terabellum, I thought I thought somewhere between eight to one and twelve to one. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. So. That's that's about right. Now, the other two angles and two reasons I really liked this horse, in addition to being second off of a layoff coming in here. European getting first-time Lasix, which I will always love. Some of my biggest Breeders' Cup scores have come with that angle. Red Rocks being one of them in the Breeders' Cup turf many years ago. And a horse by the name of Dangerous Midge being another yep. one. Dangerous Midge, ridden by Frankie DeTori. Never, ever, 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 ever throw out a Frankie DeTori horse in a turf race on Breeders' Cup Day. If you do that, you are playing with fire and you deserve to get burned because this guy has been arguably the top turf rider on the planet for about 15 years or so now, maybe longer. Who the hell knows? Terabellum's my top pick in here. I think there is a lot to like. Stretches back out to a mile and a quarter, a distance that we know she loves. She won a group two at this distance earlier this year. She was beaten a length and a half in a group one last year at this distance. She's gotten better since then. I just think there is so much to like, and I just hope we get something in the area code of the morning line price, even though I know that's probably foolish. Mucho unusual is the eight, and I just in I, I'm a West Coaster. Lo love uh, love me some West Coast, but in situations like this in the Breeders' Cup the last few years, and, and maybe it'll be a little different in the turf. There might be a horse I think that that's playable. Some of these horses that are purely West Coast, 
horses that get in. I just can't see them competing with some of the others in here. For me, that's a that's mucho unusual. Really respect everything that this Calbred has done. She's now a Grade One winner. Um, I I just can't see her competing with the best in here, Darren. Look, I, I listen. I'm an East Coast guy, so you know I I probably pay more attention to the East Coast horses. Um, that being said, uh, I think it, I think it's pretty well understood that. As a generalization, in most situations, the East Coast turf horses are better than the California turf horses. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there are situations where a horse can come out of California where that's not the case. Uh, I don't think mucho usual, unusual is that particular situation. I, I can't possibly see her beating uh, any of the Europeans and rushing fall. So, uh, yeah, she's a, she's a fade for me. Likewise. Nice horse. Terrific ride by Juan Hernandez last time out in the Rodeo Drive, getting out to an easy lead when this horse had not shown early speed since February of 2019. Hernandez is able to get the horse out to a 49 and two half mile. You want a grade one doing that. More power to you. That's fantastic. Would be a heck of a story being a cowbred, being a horse by Mucho Macho Man out of an unusual heat mare. Not exactly bloodline you tend to see in a race like this, but I, I just can't see it fade for me as well. Although potentially maybe a pace factor if they decide the only way she can win is on the lead. The number nine, Harvey's little Goyle is a three-year-old that will be facing older in here. And I I really, really respect this filly quite a bit. Um, she sat a nice trip in second, winning the, the QE2 Cup last time out at Keeneland uh, on October the 10th. I I just don't know if this is quite if she's quite ready for this. Um, I really respect her, Darren. I've liked her and I've played her in a lot of spots throughout. I, I think this is just a little too much for her right now. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I really like her as, as a horse. I mean, yeah, me too. She's run big races on both surfaces. Uh, you know, her third to Swiss Skydiver in the Alabama, you know, was was a really good effort. Um, and I liked her a lot in the QE2. You know, that was a nice score for, for her to win there. But, you know, beating Michelin and, and Magic Attitude is is different than beating Russian Fall. Um I agree with you. Um, I think she's got a bright future. Uh, Bill Ma tends to keep these kinds of horses getting better. I just think this is a little too much too soon. Yeah, I would tend to agree. If we were doing future books, I think she would be a contender to be one of the top older fillies and mares for next year because a filly like that, you have so many options at so many nice races. This is a horse that won a grade one race on turf at Keeneland, was third in a grade one on dirt at Saratoga, has a stakes winner going two turns on dirt at Aqueduct. Nice horse, cool horse. Bred to be any kind by American Pharaoh out of a tappet mare, so you know the distance isn't going to be a problem. I just prefer others in this spot. This race next year, maybe. Civil Union has uh, been really honest and continue to step forward. A nice mare and on the upswing, all the cliches. She is versatile, she's tactical. She's going to need to take another step forward, though, here, Darren. Um, what was was really impressive about her last time out is that she actually showed she can come from a little farther back than she had in some of her recent wins where she was more like two to three lengths off. And she, she was towards the very back of the pack early on last time out. She's just another who I like. I 
I don't know if she's ready for this against the top, but hey, she continues to progress and take a step forward. Crazier things has happened, and she's not like a fifty to one shot in here. She's got she's in great hands with Joel, a very strong finisher. Is she up to this test yet, DZ? Yeah, I think she's a step below. Um, you know, I, I prefer my sister Nat out of that race for the trips that we discussed. I, I thought, yeah, she came she came from farther back, but I thought she had a dream run and a perfect trip. Uh, just cutting the corner, saving all the ground. You know, the seam opened up, you know, right there in the middle of the stretch, and she she came through it, was all out to hold off, uh, you know, my sister Nat. You know, maybe if she gets another completely perfect setup and things go ideally for her, maybe she has a shot. Look, she's a grade one winner. It's Shug McGahee. She hasn't been more than nine to two in her last four starts, but she's won all four of them, and she's probably going to be somewhere between – I don't know, 12 and 15 to one. So the value is there if you like her. But my opinion is she's probably a step behind the best in here. Nice mare. Shug McGay, he knows how to get a horse ready and get a horse better as they get older. The win in the Flower Bowl was very good. The win in the Glens Falls was pretty good. That was a weird race where they went very slow early, but Civil Union still managed to kick home while rallying from a couple lengths back. She needs to improve at least five points on buyers. Is that impossible? No. She's certainly on the upswing, but I just prefer others in this race. She wound up being the last horse that I threw out of my multi-race exotics considerations. I would five deep if you're counting A's and B's. She would be a C for me. And just as, the, in my opinion, the sixth most likely winner, I just I couldn't throw her on the ticket. A horse that if you want to throw in a price underneath in the exotics and your exactas and trifectas, you could certainly do worse. And if they go faster than expected early, maybe that means she comes running late to pick up a piece of it. I just can't see her winning. Up next, it's the number 11, Ayadara. And she, I really like her last two starts. Uh, I, I was a big fan of both of them. Um, she is going to be on all of my tickets, DZ. I, 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 the two back win, I, I was a really big fan of, and she was forty-seven to one that day, winning in a mile and a quarter. And then she showed it was no fluke, coming right back, and you know, beaten only a length when she had a good start. She was close up early. She was along the rail. She sat maybe third, fourth. She was inside a couple lengths off, and she accelerated really well when she got an opening. She was right on the lead with maybe like a hundred meters or so left. Look at me, meters. Um. Ayadara, I'm using Yeah um, I am too uh, She got beat by Tarnawa Who is becoming now mayor Who is running in the uh, in the turf um, Later on She's another one that's gotten Really good, she's caught soft and heavy ground The last two, but she also Shows good form over You know, firmer going, she's got a synthetic win She's talented uh, You don't know much about the sire Um but uh, Wooten Bassett has actually put out a, a couple of really nice horses, uh, including I think Chad Brown, the winner of the Sands Point for Chad Brown, I believe is a, is an offspring of this one. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, needs to work out a, a, a trip, uh, you know, uh, from post 11. Doesn't want to be too far behind, which is a good thing for a European. Uh, win contender. Love the morning line at 12 to 1. So, like, I mean, what this race comes down to, if you're kind of looking at these horses, guys, is Figure out the horse in this range that ends up offering the value. You know, is it this one? I, I don't necessarily know. I think Civil Union drifts up more than she does, but I, I like this filly quite a bit at a good price. 
Look at the race she ran on August 2nd at Newcastle. She carried 140 pounds, giving 14 pounds to the second place finisher and still won by a nose. I think that's really cool. Do I like Ayudara as much as some of the other Euros in this race? I don't. Tara Bellum's my top pick, and I like Peaceful a bit more than both of you do. But do I think Ayudara has a shot? Absolutely. Uh, Tarnawa is a really nice horse that won the Prix de l'Opera last time out. And Tarnawa is a horse that we're going to talk about a lot when we talk about the Breeders' Cup turf later on in the show. I think Ayudara represents a potential value play in here. 12 to 1 morning line. Another that I think comes down a couple of points. But if she can negotiate a trip from the 11 hole, which is no certainty going a mile and three sixteenths in a big field, I think she's got a shot. I like the fact that she's got some early speed. The question is, is she going to try to clear all 10 horses and inside of her early on in this race. It's going to be pretty fascinating seeing what the trainer and the rider decide to do. The number 12 lady Prince a lot. It was your beaten favorite behind mucho unusual. And I think for me, Darren, same type of thing. She would have to run the career best race of her life. And she just feels really overmatched in here. Yeah, of course. I mean, if I don't like mucho unusual, I can't possibly like uh lady Prince a lot. I mean, she'll make, she'll make good money out in the California turf races next year. Um, you know, and if the race was in Santa Anita, you move her up a tick. Uh, I, I can't possibly see her anywhere on the ticket. Likewise, nice horse outclassed in here, sort of a grade two type runner that got her grade one win last year in a restricted race for three-year-olds in December, which is just deeply weird. And it's shown that she's a nice horse, a check getter, but ultimately a field filler in here. The number 13, my, a uh, nay lady, nay, she is coming off of the third place finish behind Civil Union and my sister Nat in the Flower Bowl. And she was taking a sort of a lesser stakes approach for uh, for Chad Brown. She's 20 to 1 in here, and I guess she sort of feels like that, Darren. I'd have to go just stacking her up alongside most of the others in here. Their resumes, at, le- at least half the field to me, are better. Do you feel differently about Nay, uh, Nay Lady Nay? No, out of the top three from that last race, I did not. Uh, I, I I liked her effort the least. I thought uh, she should have been better in between horses. I thought the fact, uh, you know, Civil Union certainly did have the have the better trip, but uh, I thought the fact that that she ended up third in that spot, uh, and my sister Nat went by her despite the wide trouble trip, I thought was, um, you know, rather damning of her effort. So for me, um, she is my least favorite coming out of that race. Uh, you know, maybe use her third and fourth defensively in tries and supers, but uh, I don't really like her particularly much. Yeah, I view Nay Lady Nay similarly to how I view Lady France a lot. Nice horse, has won a couple of graded stakes races, won the Mrs. Revere last year at Churchill, won a grade three at Monmouth earlier this season, got her grade one placing, which is fantastic for her broodmare value. They paid 210000 for her back in 2018. They're going to get a lot more if they want to sell her as a broodmare. I just can't see her in this spot. The 13 hole, certainly an issue. The race shape, certainly an issue. Just a lot going against Nay Lady Nay in this spot. Rounding out the field, it is Cayenne Pepper, and she's the number 14 in here, three-year-old filly. So 
the connections have basically said that they that the mile and a half was too far for her. They tried it a couple times earlier on in the year. She didn't even really run poorly in, in that. She was behind Ternawa in one of them. And last time out, she sat second. She was just a length off. She, you know, she actually moved right up onto even terms without being asked, and she absolutely crushed a field. Where do you stand on Cayenne Pepper in here, Darren? I, I wish she didn't draw post fourteen. Um, you know, she she's got a lot of positives. All of her speed figures are moving in the right direction. She's clearly getting faster. She's clearly getting better. She was favored against Tarnawa, who's a horse that I think has a shot in the turf. Her last effort I thought was sensational uh, at the Cura. Uh, you know, post fourteen might make things a little bit tricky, um, but uh, I I, th- I think she's a rapidly developing filly at the age of three. Uh, by Australia that needs to be on your ticket She just has to figure out a way into the race from the, from the outside Yeah, the post is a killer uh, The thing I find curious is Unlike a lot of her European uh, imports She has no Lasix in this race And I don't know if that's a trainer thing or, or what But no Lasix So isn't, I think, eligible for the usual bump That I tend to give European shippers for the Breeders' Cup If you go off of time form ratings She's a couple points slower than some of her counterparts. The 14 hole to me is a big problem. She's a nice horse. I think she's a lot like Harvey's little Goyle in that maybe she wins this race next year because she's a three-year-old filly that's getting better. I just can't endorse her in here with all of the factors that we mentioned with regard to the far outside post, with regard to the fact that her time form ratings are, are a bit lower than some of the fellow Europeans in here. If I'm going to other European runners, I'm going to them because they've proven to be a little bit faster. DZ, what are some of your closing thoughts on the Philly and Mare turf? Yeah, so uh, for me, I, I, like we discussed, obviously, I'm hoping that the price on uh, on Tarabellum is decent enough. She's going to be the key uh, to a lot of my plays. Rushing Fall is going to be, you know, the 1A to Tarabellum being the one. Uh, I'm going to use uh, Ordaria from the uh, from the from the uh, from the outside post and post 11. I'm going to use Cayenne Pepper. Despite the outside draw, uh, I'm going to use Mean Mary, who I I, I respect quite a bit, uh, and I'm uh, fading the California horses, uh, and for the most part, fading the horses uh, that are coming, uh, you know, out of the Flower Bowl. That's kind of my approach here, but I, I'll be exploring the value. I'm just hoping to get a decent price on Terabellum. Yeah, Darren and I agree on Terabellum. She's my top pick as well. I'll use Rustering Fall as a fellow A, so six and seven for me as the A's. As my B's, I'll use a bunch of actually 10 to 1, 12 to 1 shots in the form of Starship Jubilee, Peaceful, and Ayudara. So six and seven for me as A's, one, three, 11 for me as B's. Rushing Fall would not shock me if she won, but this is a really good field, and I just can't help but wonder if maybe the connections overplayed their hand and should have gone in the mile. That is the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be moving on to race number eight on uh, Breeders' Cup Saturday, and we will be back with Andrew and Darren to talk about the Breeders' Cup Turf. Stay tuned. Thanks to the boys from the old wrestling rewatch. We'll be uh, back doing the old wrestling rewatch next week where we go through uh, an old WWF, WWE, WCW. We've done uh, what, AWA that Andrew picked uh, one time. Generally, we go through in like the, the late 80s to early 90s range. This time, we're going to be going uh, even a little bit later. But let's talk Billy and Mayor Turf real quick, recap that one. Uh, I'm on the seven, as I mentioned. 
Um, I expect that, that she's going to get bad in here a little bit. Anything around like 8, eight 10 to 1 is fine on Terra Bellum. For me, I've got the 7 over the 11 Ayudara. Um, I've got the 6 and the 14 is sort of slightly below them. So it, for me, it's 7, 11, 14. I'll downgrade a little bit because of the, the post position there. But 7, 11, 6. The 7 as a win wager, 7, 11, 6 in most tickets. Then after them, it would be 14, um, the nine, maybe, you know, if you want to get a little more creative, Harley's little Goyle, I starship Jubilee. I, I'm, I don't have anything really against her. I just feel like this is a really, really tough spot for her to try to step up and, and get the job done here. So, and I'd prefer a few others civil union. I could, you know, I wouldn't completely talk you off at, at 12 to one or so. So it'd be 7, 11, 6, 14, 9, 4, 1, 10. I try to put them in order just for myself because that's how I'll, I'll know how I'm going to use horses in other exotics or maybe I'll go really deep in one leg of a pick five sometimes. So the 7, though, will get some win money for me at uh, anything around 10 to 1. Final Breeders' Cup race we're going to discuss on this episode of That's What G Said, and it is the Breeders' Cup Sprint race number 8. Craig Milkowski from Time Forum US joins. We go horse by horse in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Craig Milkowski from Time Forum US here on That's What G Said. And, hey, when we're going to talk to someone... Um, about the sprint I, who better than a man who makes the figures for really really fast horses over and over again and that's the race we're going to be dealing with so if you're following along with your past performances we are up to race number eight on saturday at keeneland uh, november the 7th we're gonna be going six furlongs here in the breeders cup sprint and we found uh, craig first off thanks for joining me again how you doing I'm doing well, as I told you. Just came in the yard from uh, from the yard from cutting down tons of trees. So this is certainly a welcome relief of that. Uh, <laughs> the ice storm kind of wiped us out here, but we're moving on and looking forward to this Breeders' Cup. Um, unfortunate news we found out just this morning. You and I are recording this on Wednesday, um, maybe an hour, a couple hours ago. The news came through that Vacoma. Will have to be scratched out of here And Vacoma was 3-1 to one And would have probably been The favorite in this race So um, He It's not going to change a whole, I mean he, he would have been forwardly placed He's not. He probably wouldn't have been on the lead He was way outside He would have been a factor But I don't know how much it changes things for everybody else in the race Just just a bummer for a horse who's had a really good year But I, I had seen uh, one of your tweets He's kind of had some physical issues along the way He's always had that funky running style too yeah, I mean, he's a horse. He won the Met Mile impressively, but I mean, I was against him in here. So but you kind of wanted him. Yeah, yeah, I wanted him in the field. Now, he very well could have beat me if he showed up with his best form. He hasn't done anything wrong all year, but he's been off since July. He's a horse who was pointed to a few races. It's not like the layoff into the Breeders' Cup was by plan. There were obviously some issues there somewhere that he didn't make any of the races in the interim. So it wasn't totally surprising. I guess he has a fever, so maybe he'll be back in the cigar mile. We'll see, but... He's not in here, and I, I just think it makes for a completely wide open betting race now. And we'll we'll go through kind of inside to outside, but it, just a big picture thought on the race uh, moving forward, just overall for a Breeders' Cup sprint on paper. 
It really doesn't look like there are, are a ton of horses that are one dimensional Need the lead really really fast Horses in fact Looking through the pre-entries last week It looked like Asmussen had the two Fastest horses in Yalpon And Nashville he decided to run Yalpon Here Nashville is going to be running in race number One on Saturday in the opener in a much softer Spot where he's going to be odds on Just from an overall Pace projector standpoint How do you guys have this shaping up we have this race as one that Yaupon's going to be out front by himself. Uh, there's yeah. just not a whole lot of speed left. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Nashville. I had actually kind of wrapped up my handicapping when it looked like he was going to go because yeah. I was going to bet him. I thought he was the best horse in the field with the biggest upside. But for whatever reason, they chose an easy spot earlier in the day that'll probably win by 15 lengths. And uh, but yeah. but they do have a viable alternative in Yaupon, and he's going to be dangerous for sure. I mean, it's a six furlong long race at Keeneland he did draw outside in the 10 posts but with his speed I mean I don't see any reason he's not going to clear because as you mentioned there's just not a lot of need to lead type speed in this sprint yeah so let's start from the inside with Echo Town who's going to add the blinkers he he's been fine he he's been you know he has his big win was three starts back in the jerkins he is more of a you know Coming from off the pace type He's kind of got a, a, a funny thing I've noticed In a few of his starts where He'll be in a good spot and then it's like the second quarter He almost gets outrun a little bit And he loses a few lengths and he gets shuffled And, and that may not be the best thing from the rail With the blinkers on in here Is he good enough to compete with some of the better ones In, in this spot? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting sprint this year And, uh, you know, we do a race rating From Time Form US uh, For in our PPs and normally coming into the race, a, a breeder's cup race for older males is going to border right on 130. I think that's what the sprint was last year. This year it's only a 120. So I mean that's a pretty big mm-hmm. gap. We're talking a good four or five length difference between the sprint last year, which of course featured Matoli, Chancelot, two really fast horses who either one of them in their best form would probably be one to five in here to beat this group. So it's, you know, you can't really look at the numbers. Normally a horse like Echo Town, I would just immediately toss because I I think the best number he's run recently is maybe a 115, which isn't competitive, but in this group, it may be. But that said, I, I'm not a huge fan. Like you said, I, I don't like how he always kind of makes his run later on. He seems to lose ground on the turn, then kind of make that run later on. And he's kind of tailed off the last couple races. Uh, he'd have to beat a couple horses that beat him fair and square last time out. And for me, I, I just don't see it. The very sharp CZ Rocket just keeps winning races for Peter Miller. They claim this guy for 40000 and uh, they won for fifty. Optional 62 non 2 They won in a, an allowance race And then back to back gray 2 races In Southern California I mean he just keeps answering Every call And this is going to be a, a tougher spot And a tougher group than he dealt with But hey, you know what we're talking about a guy who Who's won the sprint a few times And he knows how to win this race Yeah he's the one thing that scares me Here is Peter Miller Because the horse while he has done very little wrong, I'm really down on the Southern California contingent this year. Yep. It just, and I know I'm originally an East Coast guy. I live in the middle of the country, but trust me, uh, before your time, even nobody loves Southern California racing like me with the flashy fast times and uh, the quick fractions. As a speed guy, I was just drawn to it and loved it and have followed it forever. And I think on your show a couple years in a row, I really loved Roy H uh, coming yeah. out of there. Yeah. But, He's just, 
It's just not the same group this year. No. I don't. I think that applies across the whole of Southern California. I completely the, agree. The depth yeah, the, is just not there at all this year. You know, it's 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 hard. Yeah, in in every level. Right, and the horses he beat just aren't that good. He hasn't been running very good speed figures, even when winning. Uh, he's run basically the same numbers Echo Town's been running. So at a horse who's going to be a much shorter price, he's one I, I'm not very interested in. Me neither, and I don't like the draw really for him. I, I think with his style, if he were drawn towards the outside, it would probably be better for him. He could just kind of sit there and maybe fall into it like he did in his last race where he was just kind of four wide. If he's inside and he gets shuffled a little, I'm concerned. He outfinished Collusion Illusion, the three-year-old who had stepped up and uh, beat older in the Bing Crosby. But we were just looking at these last couple races, and you said, like, look at the horses who he defeated. They're and again, this isn't the strongest sprint in the world, but he's still a level below these horses who he's been competing with. Oh, for sure. Uh... I mean, out of collusion, illusion, who comes out of that same race. Uh, if I had to pick one of those two just on value, I would take collusion. Yeah, illusion. Agree. yeah. Uh, he's a horse who showed he was able to close into a hot pace too back in that Bing Crosby. There was basically no pace whatsoever in that CNN the sprint championship. So for him, I'm willing to put a line through that race at least. So I wouldn't totally dismiss him. He is a three-year-old, so he's got that right to improve. Uh, kind of like I mentioned with Echo Town, where CZ Rocket is a six-year-old. I mean, I think we know what he is at this point. He's not going to jump up and, and suddenly run a 130 when he's been running basically 115s for his entire life and on his best. So he's, you know, of the two, I would prefer him, but I don't particularly love him either. The number four, Bone Raison, will be one of the longer shots in the field. He upset a group at Keeneland uh, at 10 to 1, beating Maniwa. But when he's been in against graded stakes company, he's really seemed like he was overmatched. Yeah, I would agree. He's he's very similar. I know my podcast partner David Aragona uh, just loves this horse. Not particularly in the spot. He just just in general this horse, right? And he's a horse I actually pulled up his lifetime PPs and looked at it. If you bet on him every time in his career, you're way ahead. Because when he pops, he pops at a big price. Uh, he did run a 117 time form US speed figure last time out, which normally is not one that would, you know, make me notice at all in this race. But this year, it's not too far off of what I would expect. So as a price, I wouldn't blame anybody for throwing him in their, uh, you know, pick fives or pick fours. I haven't even looked ahead to see what's in the sequence. And I'll be honest, on the Breeders' Cup day, I am more of a vertical type player. Uh, I like to hit one or two races if I can at big prices, sure. and usually that's going to get you out for the day. I've just found personally the the chances of picking four or five in a row and not being wrong and in races these tough for me. It's just not for me. It's not something I'm good at. Maybe there's people better at it than me, but I'm definitely more a vertical guy. So Bone Raisons one I, I would use particularly in the lower slots. Manny Wah, who was right behind Bone uh, Raison last time out. It's it's just been a while since he's he's won. He you see volatile in the running lines, and he's been in some decent spots. When Mister Money was good last year, he was behind him, but um, he's he's just not really a win machine type. No, he should. Yeah, that's to say the least. I can I think he won at Churchill maybe this time last year. It might have yeah, even been September been more than a year. Uh, he's only three for twenty lifetime, and, and he won a couple pretty early in his career. So he's not for me. He's one that would definitely need to take a step up. I I know I just said he only beat 
uh, lost a bone where he's owned by a nose, but at least we know when that one runs his best, he, he, he can, can win. get up and win some yeah. races. Right. Completely agree. I would much prefer bone raison over Manny Wah of the two with the six Franks rocket. This is a really talented Philly and they had a tough decision to make because she just doesn't really want to go past six furlongs. Even when she she's won at six and a half furlongs a couple times, and she just has done it because the horses that she's facing are she's so much better than. And and one of them she still almost laid down late um, in the the victory ride three starts back at six furlongs. She's really talented, really nice filly. I and and we have said this is not the strongest sprint in the world. There's not that much speed in here either. Maybe she's sitting second behind Yao Pan. Um, but having to deal with a good group of boys and then older boys. Yes, she beat older last time out, but that's not even a comparable group. Even with this not being a normal Breeders Cup sprint, I I can I'm, I'm mixed feelings with her. Like I like the six furlongs with her. I think she's really good. I can she do it against the boys here? Yeah, this was one I put out, I think it was early last week, a list of horses I, I was looking to bet against, and I kind of put her on the list, and people were saying, well, she's not going to get bet anyway. I'm not so sure, to be honest, especially now that Vacoma's been scratched. Uh, yeah. She might take a little more money than people think, and I just have a hard time seeing it. She hasn't run particularly fast. She's had dream set up. She, she's just beating Perfect. absolutely nothing, so... For me, I'm against her. Even, uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe she winds up 20 to 1. I, I find that hard to believe. And I take a, a second look at it, but I just don't see it. When I look through her PPs, I see see nothing but blue fractions. The pace hasn't been particularly fast at all. The one time she had red fractions, she got beat by Kamari and Oakland in the slop. Uh, last year, as a two-year-old, when the, when the pace was a little hotter, she wasn't able to finish. So I just think she's a horse that's been managed great. She's found easy spot after easy spot, and they're taking a shot. But this just seems like way too big of a jump up for me. We get to Whitmore, who is going to be in the Breeders' Cup Sprint for the fourth time. He's been second, third, and eighth in three previous tries here. But he's coming into this race off of a couple lackluster efforts. Maybe we can make the excuse that he didn't like the slob couple starts back, although he has run well previously over a wet racetrack. So that's something that I don't like seeing. And then he came back with just a, an eh-type effort. Although, you know, in that race, it, there was a long shot that snuck away. And there wasn't a whole lot of closing going on. Diamond Oops just kind of was able to get to get Empire of Gold right on the money. I, I just don't know if he's quite the same. This is a, a really cool horse. He's been around for a while. We don't see a lot of horses like this that last to seven. Remember, he was in the you know the triple crown races leading up when he was a three-year-old, and then they cut him back, and he's been a really solid sprinter the last couple of years. I, I I don't think he's at his on his best game right now. No, I would agree. I mean, he's a horse I think actually ran in the Kentucky Derby, if memory serves. Uh, So, yeah, he's definitely had quite the career. I've seen him in person uh, several times at Oaklawn Park, where he's won won that Count Fleet Stakes, I think it is, several times. Uh, So I'm a big fan of the horse, but... As a handicapper, I'm a form guy as much as a speed guy. I, I use speed figures and pace figures to try to figure out which horses are improving and which ones are not or you know, maybe going the wrong way. And he's got that look to me. He just hasn't looked like the same horse as a seven-year-old. Uh, even when he won that Count Fleet this year, uh, his figure wasn't what it had been in years past. And 
It's just not the same. I mean, granted, he's going to be a big price. I, I can't use anybody. I uh, can't blame anybody that took a shot with him, but he's not for me. I definitely wouldn't be using him in the top spot by any any means. Yeah, not in good form. Speed figures going the wrong way. And race shape that just seems against him You know we've talked about how it doesn't he, He's a, he's best when he can settle Take back towards the back of the mi- middle To the back of the pack and then make one late run And I, it's on paper Unless Frank's Rockette is, is able to Maybe go after Yalpon and, and, Or they just go too fast up front It doesn't feel like there's going to be th- That really crazy speed dual bias That he might need to set up uh, To set up to give him an opportunity To win this race We get to the number eight Forenzi Fire uh, Another kind of polarizing horse to discuss Because he was one of those horses that was trained by Jason Service And he came into the Kelly Breen barn And so we didn't know And we were kind of having to take him on a case-by-case basis Horses that had been in the service Or the Navarro barn horses That we had been, you know, come to find That they had been pumped with lots of different substances And we didn't really know Coming into a newborn how they'd respond Well, this this guy showed us he's he's talented He's the real deal He's got some ability This is... He could get a good trip in here I, I just... The thing I always think about with him is just how he does so much of his best work at Belmont and in New York. Can he beat this group, Craig? I, I have the same reservation as you. You kind of stole the words right out of my <laughs> mouth. I, I think he's somebody asked me this on on a podcast. I, I don't remember if David actually posed the question uh, about horses for courses. And I think he actually is one. He clearly to me runs his best races at Belmont park. Uh, if you isolate just those PPs, he looks like a completely different horse than when he runs o- other places. I mean, he's one when he went to Penn and went to Laurel and, you know, he was one to five and beating up on nobody, but at top level competition, all his best races have come at Belmont. So, I'm willing to take a shot against him His speed figures haven't been that great They were better when he's with service Not surprisingly he, He's been fine in the new barn with Kelly Breen But definitely a few Maybe three, four lengths slower Than he was running on his best day for Jason Service And it's not Belmont Park So I, I'm not going to be on him at all Yeah, if it, I, Honestly, if it was Belmont I would think he could he could get a nice trip in here. He just like he doesn't really have that same oomph, uh, w- w- other places. He I mean he he could just he could be into in a great spot. And and if the speed comes back a little bit, he won't be way out of it. I like I like his running style, and he's just been so honest over the last couple years. But yeah, I, I have to to go elsewhere in here. Empire of Gold tried to tried to shock the world at fifty one to one and. Craig, I mean, late in that race In the short stretch at Keeneland He looked like he was home free And then Diamond Oops was able to to square him right on the money um, Do you see Empire of Gold as a horse Who has any shot in here to, to, to take a slice? I actually do uh, He's a horse I saw run here in person At Remington Park In that race just before Keeneland uh, He's a, you know, fairly late re- lately race three-year-old He's still on the improve uh, he ran his best figure last time out from us, a 118, and he has speed. Now, he's going to have to deal with your opponent here who, who, you know, could be the tough one and the horse to beat. But at six furlongs, I mean, I think he's dangerous, and he's one that's going to be on my tickets at what's most likely going to be a giant price again, mostly because I, I just don't fear a lot of the horses in here that I think are going to take money. So why not t- take a chance and look for some value with a horse that's in top form and, and is lightly raced and improving? I mean, if he just 
If he sits the same sort of trip he sat last time And maybe he's just right behind Yapon He lets that one go He's sitting second right behind And if that guy goes a little too fast and comes back to him He will try to do what he did Maybe just fall right into it Get the jump on some of the deeper closers Maybe he can't win But I've seen crazier things happen Like you said it it It's more of Yeah this isn't the strongest deepest sprint in the world These are nice horses in here but when you probably went through the list of the top sprinters this year, there were three or four that ended up not making this race, even just with Vacoma being scratched uh, right before it. Volatile, you know, some of the others that that we uh, we could have thought of, even even a horse like Nashville, who's going to be running earlier on the card. You know, imagine throwing those three horses into this race; it really changes the the complexion of it. And when they're out, a horse like Empire of Gold, I'd always prefer a horse like this versus a horse like Whitmore because at least. You're you're always going to get the speed from him, Craig. So that's the kind of long shot you want. You get a run for your money. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And at six furlongs, people tend to look at it, and we've already talked about there's not the usual amount of speed. But even when there is in these six furlong races, they rarely just fall apart because to be good at six furlongs, usually you have a lot of early speed. And those horses don't just pack it in like they do when they, you know, stretch out at seven or go two turns and horses get caught in a speed duel and they, they just throw in the towel and get beat 15 lengths. You don't often see that at six furlongs unless a horse is really overmatched. If they're up there and fighting for the lead, it's usually because they're a quality horse and they stick around and, and they don't get blown out in these races The number 10 Yao Pan We uh, spoke a little uh, about this one uh, When we started talking uh, on the Breeders Cup Sprint He is perfect He's 4 for 4, he's undefeated uh, But he is a 3 year old that will be stepping up And facing older company for the first time It sounds weird to say It's a good spot to do so in the Breeders Cup Sprint But it really is a good spot For this because Asmussen had a very strong hand With this horse and with Nashville He had two horses who he knew Hey, if they break well, they should have a length or two on this field. And he just picked and choose. He picked the spot. He said, "Okay, this is probably the one that's got a little bit better foundation. He's maybe a little bit a little farther along. Let's have Yalpon go here." And I can't really, I can't, I can't play tickets without him and pick fours and pick fives because I can just see him breaking alertly, clearing the field, and being really tough to run down. Yeah, he's clearly the horse to beat for me. As you said, he's a three-year-old. He comes in with the the best last three speed figure. He's won his last three easy after winning his first race with a a little bit of a tougher trip where he was uh, bumping and in in some traffic. And I just have no knocks whatsoever on the horse. He's going to be the one to beat. Uh, I am curious to see. I know he's... Trained by Steve Asmussen, of course, as Nashville. I would love to be a fly on the wall when he talks to the owners and they figured out not to run Nashville. Yeah. It's not the same owner. I'd like to hear what the story was. And obviously, I mean, the guy's a Hall of Fame trainer. He knows what he's doing. He may have a very good reason to not run Nashville in here. But if I was the owner of Nashville, I would have been fighting and kicking and screaming to be in this race. Especially but when you saw it, the entries, right? right like, especially right. when you saw and then you hear. I mean, I you you were already had to have been entered before, but now knowing that Vacoma's out of the race too, it's like, oh man, that would have been a maybe a really nice spot to to get a Breeders' Cup win. But um, hey, not not bad to have a uh, Yalpon and Nashville both. Uh, if you're Asmussen here, uh, it's a. Uh, uh, an embarrassment of riches uh, for some of the uh, the absolute best sometimes. Craig, I, I kind of forgot about how cool of a horse uh, this next one we're going to talk about, Diamond Oops, really is. I mean, when when people talk about the really good horses out there, 
you, he's never really mentioned, and he's he's it is probably because he's not necessarily the best in his any of the divisions at anything. But he is one of the most versatile, consistent. If you just look at some of his races, I mean, this is a horse who's grade one placed going a mile on the grass. He's a graded stakes winner sprinting. He was only fourth in the Pegasus going a mile and eighth behind a couple of really nice horses. And and now he's a graded stakes winner sprinting on the turf. He can really do it all. This is a pretty darn honest horse, and I've become a big fan of his over the last year or so with Novacoma in this race. He his chances are probably upgraded even more is that there's one less really nice horse to have to deal with. He was able to get past Empire of Gold in a scenario that kind of looks like it could be how this race shapes up. A race that didn't have much speed, a horse snuck away, and even when Diamond Oops wasn't his best, he was able to still get there and wear him down. Where do you stand on Diamond Oops in this spot? I like Diamond Oops. Uh, he's one of my favorite horses in training. I do try to keep that separate when I'm making bets. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like to uh, let that influence me. But I really think he does have a big shot in here. He's a horse, I mean, he really jumped out at me in the Vanderbilt last year when he ran second at a huge price to Imperial Hint. I remember making the speed figures for that race thinking, man, this, this doesn't make a lot of sense for him. Where'd that number come from? But then his very next race, he, he ran in the Shadwell at a mile on turf and literally ran the same exact speed figure, uh, a 124. He came back, he won the Mr. Prospector in December at, at Gulfstream, sprinting on dirt again. He's won a turf sprint this year at uh, Churchill Downs, a grade two. And as you mentioned, he won that Phoenix last time. So to me, this just seems like a horse who, when he's in good form, he has that will to win and he finds a way. His speed figures aren't anything earth shattering this year, but he is moving in the right direction. And I think he could easily get back to those 120s he was running last year and, and be a real force in this race. I don't think he's as likely to win as Yalpon is, but I do think he offers much better value. And, and if I had to make a top pick for that reason, he would be it. We get to the number 12 Hog Creek Hustle And we sort of know what we're going to get with this guy He's a stone cold closer He's going to take back He's going to make one late run He was 6th in the Breeders' Cup Sprint last year He just he hasn't won a race since his big win In the Woody Stevens And that was back in June of 2019 At Belmont Park That was against 3 year olds So since he stepped up and faced older company he He just hasn't really been successful And he's sort of against the race shape He's going to be cutting back uh, to six furlongs To me it feels like the seven furlong distance Is probably his best distance So I I mean I'm not really um, able to, to make too much of a case For Hog Creek Hustle no, and it's kind of, he's a favorite of mine, and it's strictly because of that Woody Stevens. I bet him that day, and somehow he didn't get disqualified uh, yeah, when he pretty I clearly fouled nitrous. I, I, I think my whole, my whole head and beard and everything else turned gray that day, waiting on the the inquiry, but I haven't got sucked into him. I liked him that day for a reason because it looked like the race was going to set up for a big closer. Uh, this doesn't look that way at all. He he just hasn't progressed at all as a four-year-old. He's still running basically the same figures, even maybe a little less than he did at three. So he's not for me at all. Uh, I just don't see it. He would need a complete meltdown. And even if there was one, I, I'd probably find some different closers to bet than him. I just never know what to do with horses like Jasper Prince when they come over from from Tokyo 
from really any any dirt any race any place places that where there's dirt racing internationally that's like not Dubai. I have a tough time seeing if these horses can stack up with the type of sprint speed that a U.S. horse has. So I I mean I just can't. It's so hard to for me to build a case for a horse like Jasper Prince. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I mean, if I was playing pick fours and pick fives, which I've already said I don't like, maybe, you know, when the Breeders' Cup, maybe I would throw him in. And the only reason I would say it is because this isn't your typical Breeders' Cup sprint. Yeah, and he's like such said, a wild card. Yeah, it's just, it, but it would be strictly a guess. I don't know. I, I will go and watch his replays, but I do watch some Japan racing and, I just don't think they stack up as well. I know there was a sprinter a few years ago who came over and won a race. Uh, and so he and he had actually had, and that was that's. I'm glad you made that point. And I think there was even one either last year too that that ran well and finished well. But what you, was nice about those horses, you could look at their form and they had they had races in Dubai on the dirt against like world class dirt horses where they looked like they stacked up at least. It, it's so hard to tell where. Any of these races against much softer company in Japan would stack up with with this like legitimate sprinters, right? And that that's I think we're both saying it's the same thing. If yeah. you're using this horse, you're just taking a guess. Complete shot. You like I, some I don't, another yeah. one of the races, like in the next race or after, and you're probably just going all, or you're just looking for some bombs around them because it, it's just hard to have a a, a lot to. to to build your case off of on that one, and we mentioned Vacoma is uh, is out now. Vacoma is scratched, so we will get lasting uh, lasting legacy to draw into this race. Lasting legacy is a horse who's actually just claimed for eighty thousand. So you claim this horse, and then you're you're coming right back in the Breeders' Cup for Bob Hess Jr. Any shot at all for lasting legacy to to get into the the try? No, this is one I would not take a guess with. I, I don't yeah. see how this horse can can possibly win. There was a time when he used to run in the one twenties, but we get back to that. So that was when his trainer was a guy named Jason Service. So when yeah. he was doing that, and he was on a hot streak. Uh, since he switched barns to the very capable Brett Calhoun, uh, he's done fine. But he just didn't run the same kind of figures. He hasn't hit the one ten mark. So I don't know how much. Uh, Bob Hess could improve off of what Brett Calhoun was doing. They're both very good trainers, but he's just not for me. I don't see it. And he's clearly not the same horse he was in the service barn. So it sounds like we see this race pretty similarly. For me, I think in in you know, if I'm playing like pick fours and pick fives, there'll probably be a lot of um diamond oops and Yao Pon. I might even play a ticket where I would maybe single diamond oops on one because I, I think I like him a little bit and maybe he ends up being Five to one, he'll get bet more with with Nova Coma, and and maybe we can get some separation here. But there are a couple other big bigger prices that you mentioned that I, I sort of agree with you on. I think you know a couple horses down towards the inside, Bone Raison, Collusion Illusion at big prices. I could see them making some noise at least underneath or uh, or picking up some pieces. So give us sort of uh, your overview on this race. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I think on the win end, I, I will probably wind up on Diamond Oops just, just from a value standpoint. I, I don't have anything against your opponent. I mean, how could you? The horse has won every race, most of them pretty easily. I uh, think he's clearly the horse to beat, but I, I think he's going to wind up probably in the two to one, maybe even less range with the scratch of a coma. So, 
you know, I'm going to look to maybe get one of those. When I play verticals, I'll look to get one of those two in the winner's circle and then just throw in some long shots. As you mentioned, Bone Rezone, uh, a little less with Collusion Illusion. But I think he's better than what that last race showed. And then Empire Gold, who we talked about, who mm-hmm. I think is going to be right up on the pace and could hang on for a piece as well. So, you know, I'm going to try to use those two, get one in the winner's circle, and, and then hope for some bombs underneath. Craig Milkowski, Timeform US. You've got the uh, the pace cast coming out this week with uh, all sorts of Breeders' Cup stuff, uh, analysis, previews of all the the races. Let us know um, where we can find you, social media, and give us the information for that and, and some of the uh, the plugs for you. Yeah, I'm at uh, Timeform US Figs on Twitter. Uh, just Timeform US F I G S. Uh, we usually do two podcasts a week. Uh, we only did one this week. I actually was on a hiatus, as you know, I had some uh, illness in my my family, so I had to take a few weeks off, but things are looking up there. Uh, but we did one on Monday. It was before the post draw, but and, and the fields were finalized. But not a whole lot changed since yeah. then. We, we covered every single race. So have a listen. If you look at DRF TV, it's also we have the DRF YouTube channel. You can find those. Or, of course, I, I've sent them out on my Twitter feed as well. Craig Milkowski, good friend of That's What G Said podcast. Thank you so much, buddy. Uh, um, wishing you the best of luck with everything going on with the, with the family. Thinking uh, positively, praying for you guys. And... Good luck this weekend. Let's make some money. I'll be uh, I'll be going back and forth with you. I'll be shooting you some messages. We'll see how some of uh, some of our plays do. Yeah, sounds great. I can't wait to go listen to what all your other people have said because I, I haven't. I don't even think you've put them out yet. But I'll certainly be listening to them because you got a very nice lineup, and I'm honored that you picked me to do one of the races. Uh, very very lucky to have uh, all the talented people, and you you are all really cool and very flexible, and made my my schedule easy. So thank you so much for getting this done and helping uh, helping me get it out early. Craig, we'll give you a follow on social media, and um, we'll be listening to uh, to all your stuff and be reading all your stuff over at Timeform US. Don't go anywhere, folks. Craig Milkowski, our good buddy, one of the uh, the regulars here on That's What G Said, helping us out with the sprint. You heard how to follow him on social media. We'll be back in just a second with much more on Breeders' Cup Saturday. Always a blast talking racing with Craig Milkowski. Make sure to give him a follow there on social media. 10-11 for me, the 11 Diamond Oops will be the one that I'm I'm probably singling on one ticket and will definitely be a horse. Uh, I look to any, anything around 4-1 to one or so. I'd make a win wager. I think he's going to get he's gonna get a lot of money now with the scratch of Vacoma. So 10-11 on all tickets for me. Then, um, you know, some, some long shots to use underneath and maybe to throw into a, a ticket or two would be the... Couple, a couple of the ones that Craig mentioned, actually, you know, I would be okay throwing Empire of Gold onto a ticket. I'd be okay throwing um, the the six Frank's Rocket. Also, I like Frank's Rocket a little bit more, and then the four Bone Raison. I'm okay with with all of them. Four, six, nine, as far as uh, some bigger prices are concerned, and I'm and I'm okay with Frenzy Fire in some spots if, if he's around that price. I don't want him at a shorter price, but if you give me eleven, ten. Six, eleven, ten, and then underneath, and maybe throwing in on one or two tickets. It would be Frank's Rocket, Frenzy Fire. I would throw in uh, a Bone Raison, an Empire of Gold, too, uh, as as a price opportunity. So the Breeders' Cup Sprint doesn't look like the the strongest in the world, of, of, but as far as a betting race, it's fine. It's probably going to be even more spread out. The money with Vacoma, who would have probably taken a ton. So let's get Diamond Oops home at around uh, four to one or so. 
in the sprint. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said podcast. I didn't want to overload it. I couldn't, I may have been able to get half of one of the next interviews on. So figured, don't want to chance it. We're going to do a part two. So for races 9, 10, 11, and 12 from the Breeders' Cup, make sure to tune into the, the net, look for the next episode. So if you're subscribed anywhere, it'll be, you know, right in your feed. You can find it, you know, YouTube. SoundCloud. If you can want to follow me on social media, it's me, Gino B. I'll be posting direct posts where you can click right to each race if you want to. So in part two, we'll have Breeders' Cup Mile with Chris Lormy. We'll have Breeders' Cup Distaff with Christina Blacker. We'll have Breeders' Cup Turf with Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali. We'll have Breeders' Cup Classic with Emily Gullickson. And we're also going to talk NFL Week 9. We go through every game on the NFL Week 9 slate with uh, our good buddy Eric Etoff, 21 Sports, helps us talk through the Week 9 slate. So that's going to be on the second episode. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, make sure to head on over there and pick right up in race number 9 with the Breeders' Cup Saturday.